Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Happy Horns and Hump Day, Pagans Tonight Radio listeners. We're so glad you're making us part of your All Souls Day, your Dia de los Muertos, and your Wednesday. You are listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure, the show where we talk about relationships, sex, sexuality, gender, social justice, and anything else we can come up with, all from a pagan point of view. Again, we're so glad that you're with us here tonight. We'd love it if you were part of the show. You can join us by being part of the chat. I'm launching the chat room. We'll see if it's going to come up for us tonight. It's been a little persnickety. Or you can call in in the U.S. at area code 347-308-8222. You can find us on Twitter at Love and Pleasure. That's Love, L-U-V, and Pleasure. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash love, And that is love spelled the regular way. As always, I am Dr. Susan. And I am Michael Graywolf. And we are kind of extending the Samhain season a little bit tonight. I know a lot of people celebrated last night on October 31st. Those who follow the lunar calendar will be celebrating over the weekend and up through actual lunar Samhain, which is November 7th. Um, we can make that feeling go all, all week long because both with what's happening with the moon, with the full moon coming up and then lunar Samhain, and also having All Souls Day and Dia de los Muertos and other celebrations of remembrance happening around the world at this time. We're going to talk a little bit about honoring their queer ancestors and bringing in some of those other celebrations uh, into our practice or alternatively those practices maybe we've gotten from our family or our heritage, our ancestors and how we honor those alongside our pagan practice. But it's always, we've got to always catch up, even though now that we're living in the same city, it's uh feel like I have a little bit better idea of what you're doing on the daily, but what have you been <laughs> up to, Michael Graywolf? Oh gosh, uh, not much. Just working so much <laughs> and trying to get adjusted to this new store that I'm working at. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it just it makes me miss the store I've been at for the last two and a half years. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I, I, I like I like routine. It's very uncommon for the Sagittarius to say I like routine. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah, but um, you know. This, since I'm so new to the store, I don't really know anyone yet. You know, I'm starting to, you know, getting to know a few people. But, um, you know, the team lead, the team leads have me working such a sporadic schedule. Like this whole, almost this whole week, I've been going in at 2 a.m. to about 10:30. Yeah. It's weird because wow. you know, I'm off today. I was off today. Yeah. I was off today, and tomorrow I go in at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. to 2.30. But as soon as I get off work, it's basically going straight to bed because I have to be back at work at 2 a.m. the next morning. Oh, my goodness. That sounds yeah, brutal. But, and, but, so, 
it, it is a little brutal, but you know, I'm adding more punishment to myself because I am going to go try to see Thor, uh, Ragnarok. Ah. What time are you going to try and catch a showing? Eleven. It's the latest Oof. showing that they have, and it should be out right before I have to be at work. Oh, so painful. Oh, I could have done that in my 20s, yeah. but I don't know about now, man. Yeah, you know, I, just, I really want to see it, and I'm going to go see it with uh, one of my siblings and their partner, and so, Yay. you know, it should be fun. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, besides that, you know, I didn't didn't really do anything for Samhain because most of the stuff that I've accumulated over the last, you know, two and a half years for, you know, decorations and whatnot are all still in storage. Um, because I am still in the process of trying to get my own apartment or an apartment with one of my other siblings. And it's a slow process, but I'm working on it. And... You know, in in my tradition, you know, we teach that you don't need all the, you know, the flashy stuff and whatnot. All you need is yourself, your thoughts, and maybe some quiet time, some quiet space to go sit and reflect. Absolutely. You know, I've done a little, little reflecting, you know, I've, you know, paid some attention to my ancestor altar that I have up. Uh, I still need to do a couple of things. I poured a, a glass of wine and I have it over there for the ancestors. I really wanted to go get some tequila, and I will probably get some tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. to put in some of the shot glasses I have on there uh, and see if I can find some flowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's been pretty much what I've been up to. And, and besides, the, you know, Saying goodbye to a friend who's, you know, leaving town on Thursday. Yes, I can't believe it. I know. I I got to take him out to brunch on Yay. Monday. Good. We went to the Cedar Springs Tap House, which I had never been to, and it's actually really nice. You know, I mean, you should probably yeah. go to the Cedar Springs Tap House at some point. I've heard that place is really good. I haven't been yet, but. Yeah, no, for sure. It's very chill. Uh, they have a nice, like, um, drink menu. It's nice and thick, just how I like it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard that about you. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. There's no point in denying it. Uh, of course not. Don't lie. Not, not on this show. Like, oh, my goodness. What about you, Dr. Well, I just looked out the window and it is completely dark. And it's just like, oh, it's November in North Texas. Yep. Um, it's going to get know, darker sooner, been, too. I know, because daylight savings time and we fall back on Sunday. So, you know, but, you know, it's also supposed to be like 90 degrees tomorrow. So it's Texas. Like, go home, Texas, you're drunk. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the last week has been a lot of writing. Um, I have more writing to do. Um, since the last time I, I was on the show, I have um, signed a blog-to-book contract with um, John Hunt Publishing, which uh, I've published a couple of essays in anthologies through their Moon Books 
um, imprint and they're doing a series of blog to book um, where basically every month my entries will add up to one chapter. And then at the end of the year, we have a book that's that's between 25,000 and 30,000 words. So, you know, short uh, introductory. Um, So I signed a contract for a book that's going to be an introduction to feminist witchcraft. Um, So I'm kind of cool in my heels waiting for them to set up the tech side of that. I'm super excited about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to, to work on that. And it's been a lot of like, you know, I don't think it's any secret to anybody who either listens to the show or follows me on social media or knows me in in regular life that this has been a very challenging turn of the wheel for me. Um, it's, I was describing to one of my oldest friends today is this is it was not supposed to be a hanged man year for me, but this was a hanged man year for me. I really feel from from the tarot, I really feel like I'm one of those characters who's been systematically stripped of everything and, and kind of had to hang out on the meat hook to to get enlightenment and, and we, y'all know that I'm really into the myth of Inanna and the gates so it's, it's appropriate um, so the last couple of weeks have just been very contemplative for me like thinking about big questions ever since uh, my, my ruling planet since Jupiter moved into Scorpio um, big questions about what I want my life to look like and where I want to live and what I want my career to be like. Um, so that's all nice and, you know, nice and heavy. Um, didn't do anything for Salon really last night. Just kind of spent time with my partner and um, we were, you know, trying to have some people from my small personal circle over and just people just couldn't do it last night. Um, so my major ritual work for Salon, which is always a tarot reading for the year ahead, that'll happen this weekend when I have some more time and space. Um, mm. and just getting ready to just let some stuff go. But it's, I feel like I've been in that process all year. Um, and even right now I was, I was describing it this morning on my social media feed that like we're still in that in between time. We're in this really liminal space and, and, uh, every, every up until the last couple of days, the world has felt like very bright and very sharp and, now it's like there's a kind of a fuzzy edge to everything. It's definitely sort of walking between the worlds um, and, and trying to do the work and but be gentle and figure out what's going to happen moving into this next phase. Um, so, you know, nothing big. I mean, it's been just really easy. I, I, I watched most of the first season of Stranger Things, too. So <laughs> that's, been, <laughs> that's been the last few days. Um I'm I'm really curious what this next turn is going to bring. There are a lot of moving parts in my life right now, uh, so it'll be it'll be something to see. But to you know stay stay focused and grounded in the now is uh, kind of the order of the day. You know, do do mm-hmm. the thing that's in front of me and try not to think too far out. So uh, I am looking forward to this weekend is my November. Uh, Full Moon Circle, which I'll put, put that announcement that'll show up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allaxlove. Um, here in a little bit, there's a bunch of stuff that is scheduled to come up through our page, so keep an eye on that tonight. There's all kinds of neat stuff. Um, but that will be on Saturday, November 4th at 7.30 p.m. at 
Horizon Unitarian Universalist Church, which is on Hebron Parkway in Carrollton, Texas. And that is open to all women, cis or trans, and non-binary folks who find their homes in women and femme-centric spaces. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. We had a really good circle in October. I had 45 people, which is not a record. Wow. My record is 62. Um, but I haven't had that many in a long time. We were, we were stacked in there. We were stacked. That circle was three rows deep. It, we were really stacked. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to see how many of those new folks come back. And, um, the, the circle closest to that one is always really interesting. Um, so I'm in the midst of, of planning that with this, this lovely Taurus full moon that we're going to have coming up. Um, and just kind of enjoying the, the general kind of feel that's out there in the world um, I really liked that we had one cold day it was like 59 degrees yesterday with rain it's great <laughs> <laughs> now, it'll be, now it'll be 87 tomorrow great oh <laughs> uh, yes that's Texas for you and I, I think is- it's like when I look back at the weather in Champaign it's like cold just cold I think mm-hmm. let me look real quick oh yeah my folks at home have cold weather, and like my folks up in the in the Twin Cities have snow. Yeah, the the highest temperature is seventy three on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it can be challenging um, practicing, especially for those of us that, that work with sort of the eight Sabbaths, which I know, which I know your tradition doesn't quite uh, in the same way. But those of us who work with the seasonal Sabbaths, it can be interesting to. Uh, be trying to work a Northern European-based agrarian tradition in the American Southwest. It's it's a little bit of a trip. Um, so we just have to we have to find other ways to tap into that energy um, and ways to work with it in a in a metaphorical way. And I know that your tradition and mine um, both do that. And and we'll be talking about that tonight. I'm going to bring us in with some Samhain music, though. So I've been wanting to get to some of these songs all year. We only really get to play them at Samhain time. Although, I'm going to start us off with some Mama Gina and Sisters Waiting, which I will play at any occasion. But it always makes me think of, of all the all the priestesses and the women in my tradition that have uh, come before me and that I honor at this time of year. So, here we go. Sisters Waiting on the other side. Sisters waiting on the other side. The veil is thin and the body is tired. Sisters waiting on the other side. Sisters waiting on the other side. Sisters waiting on the other side. Children, they will come and they will 
red tail hawk, the butterfly. The owl, the red tailed hawk, the butterfly. The journey is long and you have wings to try. And sisters waiting on the other side. The owl, the red-tailed hawk, the butterfly. The journey's long and you have wings to try. And sisters waiting on the other side.
You're listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure with Dr. Susan and Michael Graywolf, and we are bringing a little Samhain into your week. We know a lot of you celebrated yesterday, but we'll also be celebrating into the weekend on towards Lunar Samhain on November 7th. That was Tabashir with Samhain long ago. Before that, you heard Celia, the veil is thin, and we started off that set with Mama Gina sisters waiting um, which I mentioned really makes me think about all the women who have come before me women I know and women who who laid down my tradition of feminist craft um, for me Um, and ancestor work is sort of not an explicit part of what I do in my tradition but it does get worked in but I know that you do a lot of ancestor work in your tradition of the unnamed past Michael Graywolf, um, could you tell us a little bit about what that is like? Since I know you don't celebrate the the eight Wiccan Samhains in the same way um, that a lot of folks do. What does ancestor work, and what does this time of year look like for you? Well, ancestor work is one of the big things in our tradition. Um, <clears throat> you know, trying to get all organized in my head. You know, we do ancestor work throughout the year because when a brother is initiated, they are paired with an ancestor of men who love men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, you work with that ancestor for however long it is, it, whether it's, you know, for a while, usually that pairing is, you know, for a very long time. But we will pair up with different ancestors, either, you know, our men who have men ancestors or ancestors of blood, uh, to do various tasks because they're spirits. We do a lot of spirit work in the Unnamed Path, and I don't mm-hmm. think we really talk about that a lot. You know, a, a lot of people will usually just focus on, you know, our gods or our goddesses of the tradition, but... Or even they'll just say, like, the ancestors and not really understand that we do a lot of work with the ancestors. They are the ones who give us knowledge. They are the ones who help fuel our magic. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, yeah, we don't celebrate the eight Sabbaths, but officially. But you can be a member of the Unnamed Path and celebrate whatever you want. Right. And uh, so know yeah, we have a lot of brothers who, yeah, a lot of brothers do celebrate them. Um, well, not all of them. You know, usually just like the big ones like Beltane, Samhain, Yule, Midsummer. Those usually get celebrated quite a bit. Um, but for... And, you know, since this is very much a time of the year where the veil is very thin um, across all sorts of cultures, even, you know, speak, I am of Mexican descent, I celebrate Dia de los Muertos. So I definitely, this is a time of the year where we all just focus a lot on the ancestors. Um, and, you know, Everyone does it differently. I, myself, I have an altar that I keep up year-round. And when it's around this time of year, I will probably go back and add some more colors to it. You know, I'll freshen up some of the stuff I have on the altar. 
you know, make sure all the pictures look nice. And I have shot glasses for various uh, ancestors, family members, uh, and whatnot that I will try to, you know, make sure I have something in there for them. Uh, at the moment, I just have a glass of wine uh, on the altar because I haven't had a chance to go get uh, a bottle of spirits. But uh, can I think what else? Do you have anything that is like your personal tradition? I know I mentioned that I always do a tarot reading. Do you have uh, mm-hmm. anything like that that you, you try and do? or For me, myself, not at the moment. Because, well, just in celebrating Dia de los Muertos, that is kind of a thing for me. My family has not really ever celebrated Dia de los Muertos in the past. My mother always just said, you know, it's a Catholic thing or, you know, it's a Mexican Uh thing. We're not Mexican, Um, which we are of Mexican descent. You know, our family came from Mexico, but, you know, we are very Americanized. And, you know, just me acknowledging and me celebrating Dia de los Muertos is part of me reclaiming part of my ancestry, part of my culture that, you know, has been kind of washed away. Um, For sure. Yeah. I mean, and I know there's been, go ahead. I know there's been a lot of really, um, I mean, I'm a social scientist, so I'm going to go with interesting um, conversation about sort of the way in which, um, Dia de los Muertos has been uh, adopted and even appropriated by white folks. Um, I mean, not that folks of Mexican mm. descent and from Latin America can't be white, but by like by white non-Latino folks, um, and the way it's mm. been commercialized. Oh, there's been uh, you know some interesting tension around that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I am I am one of those people that is gets a little vocal around that, but I, I also fall into the trap of like, oh look, this you know that's part of my culture that, you know, yay. But then I have to, you know, step back. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, this is very like mass produced. This is, you know, who, who, who's doing this? You know, who, where's the profits going? Um, right. Which is, which is why, you know, I, I was very sad. I wasn't able to make it to the Latino cultural center for their, um, they had a day of the dead, um, carnival or celebration thing during the day. And then they had a, uh, a, a dance later in the evening, which was more geared for adults, and they had—I can't remember the name of it—but it, it had to do with the the clavica, the skull uh, face paint, and I can't remember what the name was. But oh, I, I was know very it, sad but I'm, I I'm able to attend that. My my gringa Spanish yeah. is gonna mess that up so bad. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw uh, that event, and and that looked like that was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really wanted to attend that, but I am I am happy with some of the stuff that has been coming out um, in the media for you know Day of the Dead. Like, there's been some great movies that are coming out that have come out and that are coming out. Uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, The Book of Life. Oh yes. Uh, which came out a couple few years ago, which beautifully done. Uh, you know, it's very. You know, it's not a real, you know, legend or anything like that. 
but uh, and Coco, which is coming out in around Halloween, not Halloween, um, Thanksgiving. I am very excited for that. That looks amazing. I've been, I've been seeing people talking about that, and that does look really amazing. Because um, yeah, it, it is always this sort of tension. I know, like here in Denton, there's a, a thing that happens on the square that the organizer calls. Denton Dia de los Muertos, and they they have people who like basically build go karts that are like coffins, and it's this whole thing. Um, but a significant portion of the Latino and Indigenous community here in Denton actually protests that event because it's very very whitewashed, and they don't actually bring in any elements of Dia de los Muertos except for the skull face paint. Um, and it's a very 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 white, very commercial event, and so you sort of have that stuff on. The one hand, and then you have things like the Latino Cultural Center uh, is doing, and you have you know some of the art and stuff that really comes out that I think is done in a more of a spirit of cultural exchange. Um, and it's, it's been interesting to watch that that debate really play out, especially given what the climate in the country is right now. Um, and you know what I know, I definitely see a lot of uh, my friends who are activists saying, you know, sort of like, you don't want my, you don't want my family, but you want my culture um, and opening up these really important conversations um, about what that sort of mm-hmm. looks like and, and how, you know, I definitely have seen uh, more and more Anglo pagans bringing aspects of the Adelis Mortos into their practice. And I know I have a weird relationship with that because this, the, that is part of the spirit of the land on which I practice and like, what is, what is okay mm-hmm. and what is not. And also, I just really love Panda Marte. Um, so <laughs> I, I want Molly to Panda Marte really bad. So, you know. So what aspects of, of that are you bringing into your practice? You said it's really important to sort of reclaim that history that's been kind of stripped and whitewashed away. Well, I try to do, you know, as much reading on it as I can and, you know, listen to even, like, radio shows that are mm-hmm. specifically on Dia de los Muertos, like our very lovely friend Laura Gonzalez does every so often. I believe she yeah. and Pam are doing, like, it's a rebroadcast of a show that they did uh, after hours. And she is, yeah. she is also sending me messages on Facebook. Of, like, one of the things that she just sent me was a Katina, or I believe that's the spirit of that's associated with Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and that's, a, that's an excellent plug for, yes, Pam, Pam at the porch is coming back, uh, at least for tonight, and, and we'll be uh, Laura Gonzalez talking about Dido Los Muertos, which is, is lovely, because if you don't, if you all don't follow her on social media, you are missing out. Um, she posts so much great stuff, and she's just also super funny um, and super thoughtful, but she's posted some really great stuff about Dido Los Muertos um, this year, and, and definitely worth sort of staying in um, and uh, hanging out after all acts of love and pleasure to listen to her. Um, and I, I think, you know, hearing you talking about the importance of ancestor work in your tradition, not just at this time of year, but, um, you know, that it's part of your tradition is throughout the year, I think it's really key because I'm starting to see more and more um, people out there in the pagan blogosphere uh, talking about doing ancestor work, not just at Samhain. And that, that that's something that I think as we're growing um, as a community and as, you know, a constellation of traditions, um, 
we're going to see more and more of that. And it's really interesting to see people connecting with both their ancestors of blood, but also their ancestors of spirit and the spirits of the land in a really um, mm-hmm. powerful way um, to and, kind of connect their this practice, that, mm-hmm. especially those of us that practice more something that is based in kind of European uh, Wicca-based tradition to connect it more to like who we are as, as people and the land that we stand on. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you would think that being, you know, people who work with spirit, people who work with magic and whatnot, we should, we would have had, you know, this already connection to working with ancestors in the past, but, you know, our, you know, the pagan movement is, you know, not that old and whatnot, but right. a lot of people who are reclaiming and whatnot, or, you know, they're trying to, you know, reconnect with their roots or, you know, finding out, you know, that there is actually a lot of ancestor work yes. that needs to be done. I, I will never forget that. And I think I've told this story probably last Samhain on this show, but I went to a, a council for council of uh, magical arts CMA event way back in the mid nineties. Um, and there was a group that did uh, the redneck pagan ritual, which I mean, is a funny and mm-hmm. satirical ritual. Um, but I mean, they literally, they went all out and these were folks who were native Texans Um and who came predominantly from, you know, poor, white, southern roots, you know, people for whom they, you know, they were, much like we say we reclaim the word witch, they're like, we've reclaimed the word redneck. Um, yet somebody parted out a Trans Am and built the altar on the engine block. Like, um, <laughs> one of the, the priests actually got the, the like, really crazy um, polyester curtains from his childhood bedroom in the trailer he grew up in and sewed his ritual robes out of them. Like the, um, the ritual feast was RC Cola and moon pies. Like the high priestess came out and, and uh, cut off jeans and a bikini top. Like, you know, it was, it was something. And they, they invoked earth with what looked like a piece of roadkill and uh, air with a Marlboro light and South with a Zippo and, uh, water with um, a bottle of Lone Star beer. And so they were like playing with these stereotypes and it was super funny. But at the end, um, you know, they came out and said, you know, okay, this is all sort of done in good fun because our, our ancestors like a good joke, but in, you know, in paganism, we like to talk about our, our Irish, especially white pagans, right? Like to talk about our Irish ancestors and our Scottish ancestors and our, our friend, our, our ancestors that died during during the witch trials and all that. But if we're honest, a lot of us, we don't really know those people, but we know our redneck ancestors. Those are the people who helped make us who we are. And that you have to honor that, even if, you know, you have left behind their religion and their values and, and, and everything else. These are people that made you who you are. And to find the things that are worth celebrating in those people or, you know, being very honest about the fact that, you know, my, you know, my granddaddy, yeah, you know, he was really important in my life. Um, he might be really freaked out if you knew I was a witch now, but he was really important. And they, they really, um, I think spoke to the way that a lot of us will try and go to the distant past for our ancestors and ignore the, this really important heritage that's right in front of our face. Um, and it was so powerful, and people were mad. There, 
were people who thought it was really offensive that there shouldn't be anything funny at Fallon. And then there were people who were offended that they kind of got called out on, you know, wanting to reclaim their, you know, 14 great grandfathers, 14 great, 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 great grandfathers who, you know, might've been a McAllister or whatever, but they don't want to talk about who they are now. Like it was really contentious in the community. It brought up a lot of really complicated um, emotions, but I, I thought it was just such a, like, it was clear that these people, even though they were having so much fun with these stereotypes, like there was so much love for these, these ancestors, these family members that they were calling into this space um, and uh, not trying to make them be something that they're not. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think about that a lot as I watch people try and kind of make peace with their difficult ancestors as they do this work now. And I know I've got my own difficult ancestors. Mm. I try to work with them here. <laughs> it ain't easy. <laughs> you can honor mm-hmm. them. But you don't have to like them. Um, and it's, 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 yeah, there's there's a lot out there in in the blogosphere just over the last five years. Really watching that that change. So that that's maybe a whole other conversation at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I know that in the kind of the rainbow camps that I've been in, um, seeing really explicit honoring of queer ancestors, um, whether they were pagan or whether they are ancestors of blood or not, has been a really important thing that a lot of groups have started to do yes. to kind of bring those those folks back into history. Yes. Uh if if I can um interrupt I'm sorry for interrupting you. But um go for it. You know that just you made me think of um when I was at Between the Worlds I took a picture of their ancestor altar which oh, yeah. I loved and I shared it on my uh Facebook. Uh I don't know if I shared it on any of my pages or anything like that, but it was very simple. You know, they had a picture of Hyperion, um, Eddie, uh, the founder of my tradition on there because he had you know, been so integral in, uh, you know, starting, well, he started the Unnamed Path and he was, he had been a member, he had attended Between the Worlds a couple of times and they had a couple other people. They had a Sparky T rabbit on there. Um, I believe they had Margot Adler. I think that's the right one. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't just name someone who wasn't dead. Um, oh, no. Margot Margo has passed, yeah. Uh, um, they had Crystal, uh, one, a, four, a member who had passed uh, named Crystal Bear was on there. A um, couple other people, and I'm sorry, I don't remember their names. And they also had a, a nice, nice uh, collage photo with uh, their names of the pulse victims on there. Beautiful. And Beautiful. They had a, they had this uh, particular candle, and I, I will find out from someone where the where you can get this candle because it says, um, I'm going to so butcher it, and I'm like, oh, let me find it real quick. It is. Um, the Rise and Power Candle. Um, mm. I'm scrolling through my pictures as fast as I can to see if I can find it. But um, it was actually made when Eddie uh, passed away. Uh, the guy who made it was a friend of Eddie's. And he 
instead of can I see it? Okay. They do not rest in peace, they rise in power. Yes, yes, I love that. That makes me think of there's um, a proverb, it gets credited as a Mexican proverb a lot of time, but it's actually a kind of a turn of phrase from um, Dinos Christianopoulos, who's a Greek poet, um, that he said in in relation to the fight for for gay rights, um, that they tried to bury us, they did not know that we were seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the idea of rise in power always makes me think of that, and that quote always makes me think of rising in power. Um, that the you know that that's our our ancestors and our I mean you can divine ancestor however you want, right? Um, mm-hmm. They are what they're from from whence we rise. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. No, I, you practice a feminist craft. Do you have? Is it? It's not really a. Is it? Is there any type of structure? Or I'm not sure uh, how I'm saying this. Not really. Um, it tends to have kind of a, a Wiccan it structure just because of the you know how it sort of came mm. about. Um, but there's a lot of discussion um, within our tradition, within my tradition of, uh, you know, the connection between uh, sort of women, and, and I would argue also like queer and trans and trans queer people um, who practice craft and those who have been uh, persecuted for that in the past, although certainly the people, most people executed for witchcraft around the world across history uh, were not necessarily practicing witchcraft and were definitely not practicing anything that looks like what we do. Um, there's a... a an important invocation of the kindred um, spiritness between uh, marginalized people now, um, you know, women and, and other other marginalized people who are sort of claiming their power and, and people that have been uh, persecuted for kind of walking outside the lines of society. And I mean, and that's, that's fraught, certainly. Um, people sometimes use that as an excuse to do all kinds of weird cultural appropriation things. Um, but I know my sort of th- the way that I honor my ancestors at this time of year, in addition to the people who I've known and loved um, that have passed, is I think a lot about um, the trailblazers who came before me. I think a lot about people like Margot Adler. I think a lot about um, you know, Margaret Mead and Ruth Benedict, who were not witches, but who were feminist anthropologists, you know, we're, we're invited to um, sort of look at the way in which the trail has been blazed for us, and then alternatively, how we are making the trail for the next group of people to come along. Um, and the, the focus on, at least in the type of feminist craft I practice, um, the focus on social justice work and social change through craft and project, craft and magical practice is absolutely part of that. Um, you know, my sort of Samhain practice, it's kind of a, an amalgam of uh, kind of Wiccan Samhain and uh, a more feminist craft inspired Samhain. So um, I'm not sure how my dad and how, you know, my friend who just passed, my high school friend who just passed here a few months ago, how Chris, I'm not sure how they totally feel about being on an ancestor altar with like Margot Adler and Mary Daly, but I'm hoping they all work it out. Um, 
<laughs> you know, because I look at, at how all these, these people and their contributions and the things that they've created have kind of made me who I am and made my practice who it is. And um, there's a, another quote I, see, I keep seeing it passed around uh, pagan boards as attributed to anonymous, but this is actually the words of um, Native American poet Linda Hogan. Um, the, and this is what's this is going to be a, one of the invocations at my uh, circle this weekend, actually, because we'll be doing some ancestor work. Uh, or she says, walking, I am listening to a deeper way. Suddenly, all my ancestors are behind me. They be still, they say, watch and listen. You are the result of the love of thousands. And that makes all my hair stand out, <laughs> you know, and I like <laughs> to think about that, that and not just, you know, in the sense that, you know, through love, people create biological children um, and biological families. But I, I think about all the sort of love that I've known and um, that has helped bring me to where I am. And that makes it a really, it's, it's interesting because Samhain is a, it's a de- it's a death festival, but the other side of death is life, obviously. Um, and I think a lot about mm-hmm. the role that love plays in in what we do at this time. Um, that you know, sometimes we honor people that maybe we did have fraught relationships with, but you know, we are we stand as the result of the love of thousands. Um, you know, and so even even honoring the dead can be an act of love and pleasure if you approach it if you approach it that way. If you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but and and here we are at the end of at the end of our hour. It's hard to believe. Um, it's hard to believe we're at the end of our hour. At the end of our lunar year, we're making this this switch into the into the next turn of the wheel, y'all. It's hard to believe. Um, and I absolutely oh invite yeah. you. I know, right? Um, but I invite people to um, absolutely, uh, we'd love to see pictures of your altars, of your ancestor altars, of your Samhain altars. Uh, please share them on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allxlove. Definitely stick around and listen to Laura Gonzalez and Pamit on Pamit's porch talk about Dia de los Muertos. That will be lovely and amazing. Laura is always fabulous. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, do you have anything Ooh. else coming up I- that you you? Oh, you, you woohooed. What's up? Uh, let me think. Oh, no. I, 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 uh, bah, bah, bah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, now, now that you put me on the spot, my mind is blanking. Um, oh, in <laughs> two weeks, if I remember correctly, we are having back a very special guest. Uh, yeah. So I can just double check my our calendar because, speaking of queer, um, <laughs> you know, one of our favorite guests, Lee Harrington, uh, should be coming back to the show in a couple of weeks. Excellent. To talk Excellent. about his new. Yes, he's uh, got that new anthology coming out, to which you and I um, both his new, the new the new book. He. Oh, what? Ty? Yes, Ty. Yes. Very excited about that uh, because it should be available for pre-order now. Uh, and yes. Oh, I think I lost you. All right, I think we lost Michael Graywolf. 
Oh, with me or you. Hang on. Of course, we've got to have technical problems with the veil is thin. Everybody coming through. So absolutely stay tuned. We'll have Lee back. Um, you know, keep an eye on the Facebook page. If there are, are guests you would like to hear or topics you'd like us to cover, please contact us through our Facebook page or through, via email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. And I'm going to take us out with my uh, – it's my favorite Samhain song, whether it was intended to be a Samhain song or not. Uh, Ginger Doss with Come Down. Stay on, stay on the line. Stay tuned for Laura Gonzalez and Pamet on Pamet's Porch.
to put away my drums <laughs> I had my drums and I was going to town along with the rest of the drumming circles there come down yeah ginger Doss on a, on a day of the, the dead or uh, a lot of other places will celebrate all souls day which actually came from Samhain the all souls day not the day of the dead uh, the All Souls Day became because there was the Samhain. There was the the day where the veil between the worlds was at were at it was at its thinnest, and it's a very pagan holiday. 
uh, a lot of traditions now that, you know, anything that has not been taken from the fields, you leave. You leave it for the spirits. You leave it for, for the good and the bad, spirits, fairies, however you want to, you know, however you want to frame them. And what happened you know, the Catholic Church came in and said, oh, we can't have people having a pagan holiday. That, that's not right. They can't do that. So they said, no, you can't do this. Well, that didn't work all that well, <laughs> especially not like in Ireland and all. Uh, so they said, okay, well, let's do an All Souls Day and an All Saints Day. And that's kind of like the compromise that, you know, we we can nudge, nudge, wink, wink, know where it came from. Uh, but that's where it came from. That is where it came from. Now, I have a rant. I have a rant. By the way, I'm back. I'm raring to go. Uh, it's me, Pam. Welcome to the porch. I have my special guest, Laura. Um, and we will be talking about, you're going to have to say it in Spanish because my Spanish is not good. I speak Spanish with a German accent. So, <laughs> and and I actually do speak Spanish with a German accent. Um but I'll have to have Laura, Laura say Day of the Dead in Spanish because, you know, it, it would not be good for me. It's uh, Donde a, a Banyo. No. <laughs> no, don't. Um, <laughs> anyhow, my, my rant, I already, I told, I, I, I warned Laura that I had this rant. Um, we, as a pagan, Wiccan, witch, druid, uh, earth-based religion, whatever we want to call ourselves, one of the things, one of my biggest pet peeves that we have is, is just that. It's like, it's like we want to keep redefining ourselves if another group tries to come in and impose themselves. You know, like Odinist was somebody who, who, who worshipped, who was following in the Norse path and followed the, the Norse tradition and, and probably, you know, paid more homage to, to the All-Father. Now, it has a totally different meaning. And I see stuff like that encroaching more and more into our beliefs, into how we, we worship, how we, we celebrate, who we are. And I see more and more of our community backing down and, and giving up, giving up those terms because we don't want to be associated with certain people. And, and this is my pet peeve is, is folklorist, folk magic. I'll be, I'll be, I am not giving that up. If some white supremacist, you know, dickhead <laughs> wants to come and try to take over my beliefs in folk magic, they can go themselves. Okay. Folk magic and folk beliefs are the core of what paganism is. It was the folk magicians who kept our ways alive. It was the folk magicians who, who still, it's where we get a lot of our spells. It's where we get a lot of our ways. And, in, and if somebody else wants to come along and try to, to take that, I am not going to be like other people who, who roll over and say, oh, but that means this now. No, it means folk magic. And it always means folk magic. And if somebody wants to redefine themselves with my, with, with my beliefs, they can go away. Because that's not what it means. That is not what it means. 
Now, along the same way, it, it, it's like this weird cultural appropriation. And I, I put that in there on purpose. We got to be really careful when we use that terminology, though, because we have to honor the culture where things came from. And we have to have an understanding of where things came from. And we have to, to honor and respect that. And when it comes to, to Day of the Dead, it, I love seeing sugar skulls. I love seeing, um, you know, we, we call it dead bread. <laughs> and, 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 and Laura will explain more what dead bread is. Um, and the, the cookies and the, the pastries and the celebrations, the bright colors, when it's, when it's dismal and things are turning gray and fall-like, when you live in a culture that has a lot of Mexican influence, like in Texas, that's part of growing up and uh, growing up Texan is because there's a lot of – Mexico, Texas was part of Mexico <laughs> – you can't take, you can't really separate the two of them really because there's so much, there's a border that separates it, but there's still that, that, that heart and that culture that's interwoven, you know, in my, in my beliefs, Laura can say otherwise, because we know that there's some jerk Texans that don't get that. But I love, I love different cultures. I love learning about them and I love experiencing them. And sometimes that culture speaks to me to worship that way. It's not necessarily like me saying, oh, wow, that looks really cool. I want to do that. It's more of what something speaks to me. And I will be honest, as much as I'm telling about all this stuff about loving seeing the sugar skulls and, and seeing the, you know, the things that go along with, with, uh, with the Day of the Dead and, and the, the celebrations from Mexico, um, it's not something, it's something that I love to, to, you know, to worship, to not worship, sorry, something I, I like to respect and enjoy in awe, but I don't want to be <laughs> one of the people who, who, who takes it without understanding what's going on, what this means, and what this doesn't mean. And I, you know, I'm not, everyone's like, man, I thought this was going to be a fun show, but Pam's already preaching to us. It is going to be a fun show because <laughs> Laura and I have so much fun. I really enjoy Laura's company. And two years ago, I asked Laura to come on to when it was the Pagan Variety Show to come and talk about the subject. And things clicked and they said, hey, Laura. How would you like to come back to Pagan Skin Radio? The rest is history. <laughs> Laura, yep. Laura is just like boom. Pretty soon it's going to be uh, Laura Gonzalez uh, with the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. She's going to own this place before we know it, and which is a good thing because Laura's Laura, you, you, you know, you shine. You do. You, this is this is an area that you. You definitely shine in, and I'm really happy, glad, proud to have you part of the team, just as I am happy, glad, proud that you agreed to be my guest on this very special day. And we were talking before mm-hmm. while Ginger Doss was playing. I got to play. I got another Ginger Doss song that I have to play to, because of what tonight is later on. But um, Ginger Doss and Linda, Linda Millard, anyone who's following along at home and it knows what I'm talking about. 
Um, but we were talking about the Day of the Dead is mm-hmm. not a Spanish holiday. It's not a Central or South American holiday. The Day nope. of the Dead is is a Mexican holiday. And yep. I think that's part of the allure. Is is it's so Again, if you if you you can either you can live in a in a in a state in a in a in a region or whatever and and be dead to the culture that formed it and shaped it, but I I can't. <laughs> so right? living in Texas and seeing that that as part of the culture there, I just it makes me happy. It makes me homesick. I love it. So Laura, I'm done my with my 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 soapbox and I, cause I'm really serious about this. It just really upsets me that somehow or other, I can't say that I study folk magic because somebody else has tried to take away and made that meaning something not something nasty and mean. And yeah. And they don't, the, but, the, the thing but, is they don't, they don't own folk magic. Whether you think we do in Mexico, it's nothing but folk magic. <laughs> so Exactly. Not because you are a, not because you're a racist jerk that wants to be a white supremacist and call yourself folks. You own the freaking word. Like we do folk magic in Mexico. So since you get off uh, your soapbox, I'm gonna use it for a minute. Can I borrow it? <laughs> um, okay. So the first thing I want to talk about, um, believe it or not, um, oops, I think you just kicked me out of the chat room. But anyway, um, I got kicked out. We both got kicked. We kicked each other out of the chat room. <laughs> Thank you. I got Thank kicked you. out, and then I kicked you out. So, oh, the, okay. There's only room so for one me, of us on the soapbox at a time. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me get in there for a minute. Um, okay. There there is a lot of things that you know to to talk about the origins and traditions of Day of the Dead. And the 45 minutes that we have left is going to be impossible. So I'm going to just touch on certain things that are very, very important that as as pagans, we understand. And unfortunately, I'm going to begin with the, with the bad thing. And the bad thing is there's an image running around. There is an image running around that is called La Santa Muerte. And La Santa Muerte is not related to Day of the Dead. Is not the goddess of day of the dead. Is not the goddess of death. Is not the Aztec goddess of the dead. It has nothing to do with Aztecs. It has nothing to do with anything but crime and violence. Um, in the year 2000, see, this is how, how I knew this is. In the year 2000, there was this lady named Enriqueta Romero who created a shrine, an altar for the image of the saint death or la santa muerte and what this image is is basically a grim reaper that is uh dressed with this adorned capes and dresses and people see it as a saint it's not a goddess and it's not a uh, in my opinion it's not a representation of the divine feminine it's an icon that was created on a Mexican barrio in Mexico City. This is one of the most violent places in Mexico. They, it's, known as the, it's known as the Barrio Bravo, which means uh, fearless neighborhood, and is the criminal capital of Mexico City. 
And this icon was created to protect criminals. Um, in Mexico City, they are trafficking drugs, goods, humans. Uh, there's robberies, there's rapes. And in this particular neighborhood, they all converge. Even uh, corrupt policemen and police people and corrupt politicians. They go to this shrine. They leave cocaine. They leave money. They leave blood. They uh, offer whatever they want on their shrine so they can have it back. And this icon, um, to my understanding of how energy works, I believe it's an egregore. I believe it's a thought form that it has taken a personality of its own. It is very negative. Um, they have tried to have the Catholic Church recognize it as a saint. Obviously, the Catholic Church has said no <laughs> a couple of times. Um, and unfortunately, Pam, unfortunately, I have seen a lot of pagans, neo-pagans here in the United States adopting this imagery, adopting this icon. And some of them believe it's a Mexican goddess of the death. She is not. Some believe she's the Aztec goddess of the death. She is not. And some say, well, I went to Mexico and I researched and I was told it's the Mexican um, Aztec goddess of the death. That is not true. There, there is not uh, a relation between Santa Muerte and uh, Mictlán There is not relation. Mictlán who is known as the Aztec goddess of the death, is an icon, is an archetype, is a guiding essence that represents life uh, flowering or, or uh, uh, how you say, bit, uh, uh, being in bloom, and then the withering of the flower, the giving of the seed, and then that cycle of death and, and life and, and rebirth. And this Santa Muerte image is, is about death, is about fear, is about um, crime. And even if we were to give the image the benefit of the doubt, what happened to this image is similar to what happened to the swastika. You see a swastika and you think Nazis. Well, you see this Santa Muerte and you think genocide, a different kind of genocide. Um, when I've done my research, I've seen people who worship this thing and they say, she's very powerful. She will give you whatever you ask for, but I'm extremely afraid of her. And I cannot believe that people who are afraid of something, they can actually worship it. So to my fellow pagans and neo-pagans in the United States, if you want to honor the dead and you want to honor the goddess of, the Aztec goddess of the dead, I will be delight, delighted to share information with you and to share the images that you're looking for. But this Santa Muerte is not what you're looking for. Um, this is related to gangs. This is related to crime. The cartels in the north of Mexico have adopted this icon. And as people said back in the day, the Aztecs did uh, blood sacrifice. We don't know if that is true. What we know is we haven't found uh, mass graves and all this, this beheaded corpses that should be there somewhere, right? Uh, that hasn't been found. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that in the north of Mexico, the cartels are kidnapping, raping, beheading, and dismembering uh, women, mostly. 
And they are doing mm. it to feed this item and to feed this force and to wow. get away with crime and get away with all these things. And two years ago, I wasn't as vocal about it. As a matter of fact, I wasn't as vocal about it because I don't like to talk about it. But I see so many neo-pagans and pagans and Wiccans here in the States worshiping, putting that on their shrines, buying the tarot of La Santa Muerte, and they keep giving energy to this icon, and this icon is evil. And I don't use the word evil loosely. I'm a pagan for crying out loud. Wow. I believe in dark, and I believe in light. And this thing goes beyond. And it is an icon that is used for crime and is used for human sacrifice and is used to protect criminals and it has nothing to do with day of the dead so that's my soapbox <laughs> you know well now that we got that along go ahead well i just want to say along with what i was saying about folk magic and and what they what you do in mexico is folk magic that's the thing that I, I wish I could tell so many people who started their path here in the United States that have only been around the United States. Where, where and I'm not I'm not trying to to give any disrespect to books that you've read, or or teachers that you've learned from, but it's a totally different way of learning magic when you live in a culture where magic is still yes. part of everyday life, like yes. it is. In and I have, and I have been told by by. Uh, people here in the States by Anglos. Oh, haven't you read the book of so-and-so about Santa Muerte? And I'm like, I don't need the book. I know the bitch. She's my neighbor. <laughs> I know who she is. <laughs> you know, like I... Oh, wow. Because well said. When, when you go to Mexico, unfortunately, and this is the truth, the Aztec origins of the Day of the Dead are not common knowledge. I know this because I'm being obsessed with it for 32 years and I have done research and I have gone to the roots of it. And it is an Aztec tradition. It has nothing to do with gods and goddesses because the Aztecs didn't have that concept of religion. There were philosophical images that represent the cycles of life and death. And all the deities, the so-called deities on the so-called Aztec world, because it's not even called Aztec either, but that is a completely different topic and a, a completely different program. Um, but for for all intents and purposes, we're going to call it Aztec gods and goddesses, right? Because that's how we know them. Right. So these Aztec gods and goddesses usually come in groups of four. Two that represent the four, the force in the heavens or inside the two that represent the force within the earth. Uh, I mean, on top of the earth and within the humanity. So every force of nature is going to have four names. And the concept of death, which is Mikisli, uh, it means to rest, the, the place where you rest. The Mictlan means the place where you rest. So Mictlan Tecutli, Mictecasiwat, Mictlan Siwat, and Sontemoc are the four forces of this concept called Mikisli or resting. And Mictlantecutli and Mictlansiwat are the masculine and feminine essence of death. And death knows, known as resting. Now, and go ahead. I, I've seen like the a male and female skeleton dancing. Like a male and female skeleton dancing. Mm-hmm. Or kissing. Yeah. Is that, that is, a, is that related to that? 
I believe as ever, you know, what happened to, to the Day of the Dead, to understand where it comes from and how it has morphed into today, we first have to understand how they work on the Aztec. So on the Aztec world, you have that duality of masculine and feminine. And this forces what they do is when we go to sleep, see, is this simple, Pam. You go to sleep and your body regenerates itself. Uh, your organs eliminate mm-hmm. toxins, your bones and your skin and everything gets regenerated. And after a well-rested night, you wake up, you are reborn. You re, uh, you, every time you awake, you come out of the Mixlan into the world of the living. And that is oh, the process cool. that is going to happen every time we go and do Mikisli. Every time we go and rest, uh, we, these forces work within us. And even science now back us up because, you know, when people don't uh, rest well, they tend to be uh, more uh, susceptible to get sick. So you need a good night's sleep. Yes. And then you go, you sleep, you wake up, you sleep, you wake up until you don't wake up anymore. And then you stay at the Mictlan. You stay at the land of the dreaming. So Mictlan is not the underworld. It's not the Aztec hell. It's not the land of the dead. Mictlan is the place of resting. That's what it is. And then um, the Aztecs observe two holidays on July and August for this concept. And one of the holidays, it was all about the flowers and it was all about blooming and about young people uh, flowering and blooming and growing into what they were going to be, and also the duality of life. You celebrated those who were gone when they were young, when they were on their flower. That was Mm -hmm. the first month. The second month, it was all about the fruit. And the metaphor is about once you're an adult, what kind of fruit you are, what is your full potential, and what kind of seeds are you leaving for the next generations? And the duality was those who were grown and they're gone. They're in, they're in McClan, they're dead. So it was mm. a celebration of death and life. We do not have a separation right. between the two of them. That's why it's so colorful. That is why it's so lively. That's why you have so much, fla- so many flowers. That's why you have so many fruits. Then um, the Spaniards came. Of course, they saw these figures. They saw they saw the celebrations. Their mind was so close and so uh, Catholicism oriented, and they had already moved Samhain to All Souls Day. And they say oh, again, this this uh, savages, these pagans uh, worshiping these skulls and skeletons. Uh, mm-hmm. think about they had just had the plague a couple of centuries ago where the concept of death and the green reaper was so scary because people were dying, you know, right. every day by the hundreds or thousands. And of course they see all these icons with skulls faces and they're thinking it has to be something evil. So they took yeah. a forty days. They took a forty day celebration and they shrunk it into two days. And so oh. nowadays, in um, 
the All Souls Day, All Saints Day, which is today. It's like, it's, it's like where where they took the what I was saying, the harvest that that you know Samhain, and there's other festivals like that around Europe. Yeah, the the Catholics did the same thing, made it All All Souls Day, All Saints Day. But yeah, yeah. So they took the first uh, holiday that is called the Mikaiwitontli, which is the um, where we celebrate the flower, and they put it on November first, and then they took the Wei Mikaiwitol, which is the one the big festival, and they put it on November second. And of course, our people couldn't take all their traditions with them because it was forty day holiday that now has to be crammed in two days. And so what they conserved was uh, honoring the young on the first day and then honoring the adults on the second day. Of course, with the syncretism of uh, Catholicism, now you have all this mixture of imageries and icons and symbols that are more pagan than Catholic because they come from 1500 um, Europe where Catholicism is heavily influenced with pagan traditions. And Mm -hmm. so now Day of the Dead is influenced with a lot of pagan traditions that are dressed Mm -hmm. as Catholic traditions. So the modernized aspect of the, the sugar skull, yes, our people have these images that were people, human people with body and hair and hands, and skin and flesh, but they were missing flesh on their face. Those are the energies of the dead, Miklante Kutili and Miklan Now they make them into these little icons, right? The, the, the skeletons. But those are always going to be dressed. Right. And, and like you say, this, this couple that is dancing and all the sugar skulls that you see and all of that, comes from that concept of Mitlansiwat and Mitlantekutli showing the skull, showing the cranium on the face. Very different from La Santa Muerte right. that is like a green reaper. It has the um, that curved knife. I can never remember the name. Um, cycle, cycle, cycle. And I, it has the sickle, the, sickle as well. Yeah. Um, so it's different. It's, it's very different. And once you used to look at this and once you've seen it all your life, of course, you can spot it right away. You can see the difference right away into what is Santa Muerte right. and what is the other one. And that's why I'm, I'm here to tell people, you know, if you want to honor Day of the Dead, if you want to honor the forces of Mitlansiwat and Mitlantecutli, if you want to connect with the roots of Day of the Dead, I will be it will be my honor to share the correct imagery with you. Not the correct, but the one that I feel is closer to the concept that you're looking for. But don't go and buy. I was livid. I was livid last year because in one uh, calendar, uh, they feature this thing. And they're saying all these lies that it comes from Miklantecutli and it comes from the Aztecs. And I'm like, no, I cannot believe these people that create this calendar didn't do the research because it has nothing to do well, with anything, you know. That's, that's the thing is, is there's, there's so much misinformation, which is why, why I'd rather have you on talking about it. I was going to play, you know, I'll be totally upfront and honest. I was going to play the, the one two years ago. And you and you did mm-hmm. talk about Santa Marte, but you also did not want to give her any energy. 
no. you know, when you started talking about it. So, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was actually pretty surprised that you, you went off on, I did, you told me a lot of stuff I didn't know. I didn't realize that it was, it was connected with the cartels. Oh and yeah, totally. The thing again, is, you know, I'm, let's, I'm let's gonna... talk about the fact that magic is still very much alive in, in the Mexican culture. You know, yeah. it's part of, yeah. Oh, totally. Um, so, so what happened now, you have um, the Aztecs used to bury their death with their, their working tools or uh, something that was significant to them. But it wasn't, it was not as it believed that it was like with the Egyptians, right? That they gave them the, their tools so they can keep working on the afterlife. It wasn't right. like that. It was, it was more like a grave marker. You know, it was like, okay, so Laura died. Um, she was a terror reader. She was a broadcaster and she was a pagan priestess. So maybe let's bury her with her tarot cards, her uh, rug for uh, when she did ceremony and maybe a set of headphones and a microphone. So we know what she did in life. So it was more like a grape marker and less than a, uh, oh, so she can keep working on the afterlife because there was no right. concept of afterlife. You were gone to rest. You were not working anymore. <laughs> you were resting. Um, but That's again, what, yeah, it's the time to rest. Again, um, going back into the Aztecs, I can talk for hours about that. And, and we want to talk about the modern tradition, actually. So the modern tradition. I want to talk about dead bread. Say that I again. Up dead bread. <laughs> Oh, the dead bread, yeah. So dead these bread. are all the things, uh, we call it pan de muerto. By the way, <laughs> accident of translation. When you say it on Spanish, it's dia de muertos. That's it, three words, dia de muertos. A lot of people say dia de los muertos. And that's an accident of translation. Because when you translate dia de muertos to English, you say day of dead, dead. And then when you translate that to Spanish, it's Dia de los Muertos. And that los is an added part of it. We don't say Dia de los Muertos. We say Dia de Muertos. We don't, we so don't use... So if you say uh, los Muertos, that, that would be the day of the Grateful Dead, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. <it doesn't, laughs> but, you know, it's a very common... And, and you know, I'd rather see that error than see in Santa Muerte as Mitlan Siwet. So, you know, if people want to yeah. say Dia de los Muertos, that's fine. Um, but then, as I was telling you, you know, the Spanish come, they have a heart attack. Um, they want to eradicate this holiday. <laughs> and then what happens is, um, they go, you know, the first thing they say is, put some clothes on. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, put some clothes on. <laughs> Let's eradicate Samhain. Let's forget this uh, uh, pagan uh Holidays, let's eradicate Samhain and celebrate All Hallows Eve, and they create Halloween. Thank you, Catholic Church. Then yeah. uh, they want to eradicate Way Mikai Wittle and Mikai Wittontli, and they create Dia de Muertos. And we're again like, thank you, Catholics. You know, guys, trying to eradicate pagan holidays doesn't work for you guys, so you should stop. Because instead so of eradicating them, folk you make them bigger. That's why, right? <laughs> that's why folk magic is so important, and that's why it's so important not to give that up because some other people have uh, made it something 
twisted. No. So what Take we have away. now, we have now on the on modern day Day of the Dead, uh, you have the altars made with levels. So they usually have two to three levels, and that represents heaven and earth, or heaven, earth, and the underworld, or of course the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, some of them have up to seven levels, and they are beautiful, and you can see those still in Mexico, in like small towns such as Oaxaca and Pascuero and Janitzio and Chiapas. Towards the southwest of Mexico, it's a huge tradition. The whole country celebrates Day of the Dead, but the southwest part of mm-hmm. Mexico is where it's more heavily, still very uh, native influence. Then now, of course, you have the picture of the ancestors, um, the picture of your deceased loved one. Uh, you have the cross, because obviously it's an added Catholic element. You know, the cross they took from the Celts that represented the masculine and feminine. But again, you know, mm-hmm. they try to write a case symbols and they make it into their own. And now, boom, it's a, a Catholic pagan symbol. <laughs> then you have the uh, incense. We usually burn frankincense. We call it copal. And copal comes from the Aztecs. The Aztecs used to purify everything with copal. I didn't know that. Yeah. So when you see, uh, oh, yeah, the church uses copal a lot. Yeah, because they took it from the Aztecs. Um <laughs> Then you have this elaborated, colorful pieces of uh, paper that are cut, perforated paper. And the paper is supposed to represent the element of air and how the air purifies the environment. Then you have candles, of course, and the candles are put on the four directions. Another uh, inheritance from the aspect. And the fire, guess what they use the fire for? To purify also very Catholic tradition that sounds very pagan. Then they have the water and water is to purify the place and to bring uh, the purity of the life essence and to bring water to the dead, mm-hmm. you know, and you usually leave a, a place for the unknown death also um, because they are people whom have died and they don't have any more descendants. And we usually always think about, you know, an extra cup of water, an extra plate of food for those who might not have a descendant that is setting up an altar for them so we can welcome them. Um, And, of course, you have the flowers. And you are going to have tons of flowers. And the reason that we have this particular flower, the marigold, um, the marigold grows a lot this time of year in Mexico. Think about we're a little bit southern from, um, I mean, we're closer to the equator, so it's not that cold there. And marigolds are in bloom like crazy right now. So that's the flower that they use. But they use the flower so heavily because it's still an inheritance from the Aztec tradition because one of the holidays was all about the flowers. And that's why you have all these marigolds everywhere. Um, you know what I have? You... you know what I have on my back? You know what I have on my back porch? Mm-mm. Marigolds. I love marigolds, and they're really blooming right now. And I know yeah. that there's that. Yeah, marigolds are a big thing. Yeah. In Mexico, we don't call them marigolds. You know what we call them? 
Es what? flor de muerto. Flor de muerto. The flower of the dead. Flower of the dead. I don't think anybody call them marigolds. You know, we all call them flor de muerto. Flower of the dead. And then you have the little sugar skulls. And the sugar skulls is very funny. I, I was teaching this workshop um, a month ago. And I was telling people, if somebody that you know who is Mexican brings you a little sugar skull with your name on it, please don't freak out. This person loves you very much. They're celebrating your life. And that's why they're honoring you by giving you a sugar skull with your name on it. Uh, I had a person in the audience saying that it happened to them. Somebody gave them a, a sugar skull with their name and they, they didn't know what to make of it. And I'm like, well, they love you. And that's why they, they're honoring your life and they're, you know, they're giving you this gift because to us, as people, some people say, oh, Mexicans are so violent. That's why they worship death so much. No, we love life. <laughs> we love life. Yeah, we love I the never party. We love yeah. to honor uh, our ancestors. We have a very deep respect for our elder and our ancestors. And um, this is something that comes from our DNA is nature and nurture. Um, part of the Aztec uh, heritage that we have is to be of service, to honor people and honor our life by being of service. That's why Mexican mm-hmm. people are so welcoming and so, so servient. And unfortunately, that was taken advantage of. And to this day, yeah. you know, people say, oh, my God, nobody works our hearts as, as the Mexicans. Yes, because that comes from our, uh, it's part of our heritage is that part of what we are exactly you know yeah and unfortunately like i I was saying you know um so get a lot of this i talk about people love the aesthetics of the holiday they love the tradition they love the sugar skulls they love our food they love our music they love our clothes they love our beaches they love our land they just don't love us and I have a person saying, yeah. that is not true. <laughs> they say, that is not true. Every time we go there, they welcome us so wonderfully. Where do you see that? And I say to this lady, have you seen the news lately? You know, yeah. because it's all over the news. One, two. It breaks my heart. The, the problem is the, not the one in um, Mexico. I gotta say, I gotta say, one of the stories that's breaking my heart right now is that little girl um, who has cerebral palsy and went in for gallbladder surgery, and uh, the immigration went in there and waited for her to get out of surgery, and uh, you know, yeah, this is ridiculous. It is. It is because I, I you know. Uh, like I say, they love our aesthetics, they love our culture, they love everything that Mexico has to offer. They love to have us as their workers. We are magnificent workers, we're responsible, we're honest, we are everything that is good that we can be. But yes. they just don't like us. And I'm not blind. There are also people who are not good in Mexico and here. Yeah. But that happens with all the race, all the colors, and all the places of the world. So, right. no, we are not only rapists and murderers and cheetos. But going back to... That, um, 
that just going back I'm to sorry. the sugar skull. Um, the sugar I, skull is a candy that was. I have to say before you go into the sugar skulls, I have to add to what you said. You know, I'm going back to saying about the the Texas pride is you can't Texas Texas of all the states, um, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Um, we they wouldn't be who they are if it wasn't for for the Mexican the the work the heritage the families familia you know that's big time part of the the culture and 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 I I hope that I don't know what happened was that was all Mexico or whatever you wanted to call it. And then different yep. parts of it got carved out. Said this is the United States now. You know, when you yeah. go to when I lived in New Mexico, and we were celebrating, I think like the 800th anniversary of of Albuquerque. And you think about, I think it was 800, 600. I can't remember. Could have been 600, but 600 years that that Albuquerque's been there, far longer than the rest of the United States. Mm-hmm. And and these families have been there for for all these centuries. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, you're you're American now, but you know what? What are we gonna do with all these Mexicans that are here? <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm not. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to. to it, it's you can't just come in to a, to like parts of Texas and say, oh yeah, well this is this is you know. This is America now, and and just totally, you know, forget about the the families that have lived there. Um, you know what? There is the a, one a that, woman who I the one that ahead. makes me laugh laugh out loud when you see this cowboys in like Arizona and New Mexico and and even some in Texas. Let's not romanticize Texas that much. Um, this I'm not going to totally there. romanticize Texas. I know where, where there's the, a lot of bad the, things that happen. Where the cowboy boots mm-hmm. and their jeans and their flannel shirts and the cowboy hats and their bandana on their on their neck, uh, right on the border, telling the Mexicans, "Go back where you come from, boy," and they spit the the <laughs> tobacco, right? And then you look at them mm-hmm. with their cowboy getup and their very traditional rodeo look that comes from Mexico, Mexico. It does. It's very. People are like, there, there are Mexican cowboys. I'm like, yeah. No, we created the cowboy look actually. (laughs) The the boots and the spurs. Um, yeah, it's it's very much. That's what I'm talking about. You can't separate it. It was the northern. It was it was the northern cowboys of Mexico, which was. New Mexico, California, Texas, and it, some people say all the way till uh, I think it's Iowa. I can't remember what the other state. Utah, uh, maybe Colorado. All that, was, all that was Mexico. So when the right. uh, Europe, when the European immigrants that came from Southern and Eastern Europe didn't know how to do the things that a cowboy does, it was all the Mexicans who taught him how to do it. How to wear the boots, how to wear the jeans, how to go on a, uh, on a caballo, on a horse, and all of that. And then suddenly the, the border crosses us, and 
And that is not a Mexican tradition. Yeah. That, that is now as American as apple pie. And I'm like, uh, yeah, because we told you guys how to do it. But anyway, that's just, like I say, that's a completely different show. <laughs> Let's go back to the okay. sugar skulls, please. So the sugar skulls is a candy that is made of sugar, obviously, traditional from Spain. And they started making these little skulls to substitute them for the images that we had from the Aztecs. And that's why the sugar skull is so strong because it's a direct link to the Aztec culture and the Miklantecutli and Miklantecutli image. And obviously now, because there's so many um, generations that separate us, people don't know how to make the link and people don't know how to make the connection. Um, talking about the, the bread that you were talking about, the uh, pan de muertos, you know, um, the, the bread represents the wealth of the family and how that wealth is going to be shared with the ancestors. And, um, and we also put on uh, a lot of food on the offerings, lots and lots of food on the altars. Uh, it's believed that the loved ones come between tonight and tomorrow night, take all the nutritional value of the food, and then we can eat it the next day. Of course, they don't take the calories, ha, 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 but <laughs> it is believed that they take the nutritional value of the food. And, um, and of course, all of this, it's a link that comes from the Aztec traditions. Uh, we removed so many generations that we, we have forgotten. And, of course, it became a syncretism between Catholicism and Native Mexican tradition or, or Native Mexica, to say it in a better way. And because of that, because it's heavily influenced with Catholicism, but don't forget that Catholicism is heavily influenced with paganism. But because people don't like to question, people don't like to ask, people don't like to research, there's a lot of people that says, oh, Day of the Dead has nothing to do with paganism. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, it, it is an agricultural holiday. It was celebrated on July and August when the flower bloom and the fruit was fallen. It has to do with the rebirth and regeneration of the earth. Our people were not pagan where their philosophy was that everything on the earth was sacred. And if that don't coincide with paganism, I don't know what else will. And it's a holiday that celebrates life and honor those who are gone before us. Um, I would love to see people celebrating on their homes, having an altar and having a celebration to their ancestors and to honor the tradition. What I'm not thrilled about it is people who think it's the Mexican Halloween that dressed up as Mexicans with sarapes and painting your face as a sugar skull is, uh, I'm on the fence of seeing that as a Day of the Dead costume. Um, if I see a Mexican person doing it, maybe I won't cringe that much, but otherwise, it is not a it's not part of Halloween. It is very similar. Right. There's a lot of similarities. But Halloween is ha and then we go here. Halloween is Halloween and then Samhain mm -hmm. is Samhain. Completely different things. Mm -hmm. And then Day of the Dead is Day of the Dead. It's not the same thing. 
if you are like no. me, obsessed with Halloween, obsessed with Chowen, and obsessed with Day of the Dead, and you can celebrate all three and know the difference, good for you. If you want to honor it with love and with respect, even better. Uh, I was listening to Michael earlier saying we fall on this trap. I love, I'm the easiest person to give a gift to because anything with a skull I would love. But then you reflect, yes. like he was saying, you know, where, where does this come from? Who created it? Who's benefiting from? Um, I saw a sign at a bar um, promoting beer with the image of, of Mitlantecutli. And I was like, what? How, why do they put Mitlantecutli on a beer sign? It has nothing to do with beer and it has nothing to do with, you know, uh, right. I, I mean, there are things that are sacred and then there are things that are common ground and, and we can all agree. Um, on it's certain it's things, not but. unlike, it's not unlike having a Jesus beer, you know, I, I'd have to say, I'm not, not that I'm equating the, the gods to, together, but it's like, why would you just do that? You know, why would you dishonor somebody's beliefs just to put something on a beer because you thought it looks cool? You know, I, you know what I, um, for example, I love, uh, I love Hindu uh, aesthetics. I love the, 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 the dresses and I love the bindi and I love the aesthetics of Hinduism. It's so beautiful. It's so colorful. I would not wear something like that. Not for Halloween, not for any occasion. If I was invited to a wedding and the people said, you know, we would love to lend you a dress, Laura, so you can be dressed um, as is customary. Or we're having a ceremony for Ganesha and everybody's going to be wearing a sari. Why don't we let you borrow one? That's different. Um I don't speak for old Mexico and I don't speak for my culture as, you know, I'm not the spokesperson of Day of the Dead. But what I tell people when they ask me, you know, do you think it's offensive? I said, if you have, if you are questioning it in your head already, then just don't do it. But if you're going to a Day of the Day well, theme party, say Laura is throwing a day of the day party or not Laura, Juanita or Maria or John or uh, Pepe or Mario or Marco, whoever, um, your Mexican friend is throwing a Mexican day of the day party and everybody's going to be dressed as a sugar skull, then go for it. You know, I mean, there the really is a fine line and I don't know where that line is. What I know is right. it's not Mexican Halloween. It's not Mexican Samhain. There are two different holidays. They have a lot of similarities. I believe they could coexist harmoniously with respect. But it's not the same thing. As a matter of fact, you know, they, are not, they are not on the same day. One is on the 31st, and the other one is on the 1st and the 2nd of November. I have to I have to say something though. I and, and I don't know. I'm just saying this. I'm just throwing this out there. I'd have to look into it a little bit more. But the Irish, uh, the Irish came, and and there's a lot of uh, Irish intermingling with the the Mexican culture too. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the stories I heard of of the the term gringo 
comes from the Irish because they would sing Green Grows the the Green Grows the the shamrocks or whatever the clover. I don't no. know how true. Gringo okay, somebody is, made that is, up. Gringo is a derogatory term that I don't like to use. Uh, okay. It was born. It was born in the time of the revolution, where American soldiers used to wear green um, uniforms, and the people okay. was trying to tell them to go. And they learned the color green, so they say green go. So it's color green. Ah. Get out of here. <laughs> and that was something that they were telling. <laughs> Yankee uh, go home. Uh, <laughs> they were they were saying they were not saying they were not saying Yankee because that is another derogatory term. They were saying green that as is. in the color that is. as in the color of the uniform. Go, you know, like if you see some policeman with a blue outfit and you want him to leave, you say blue go, you know. And and I don't I like when that. people yeah. use I don't like when people use that term. I don't like when Latino people oh, I don't use that like term. That. Um, I I can understand that. I can yeah, it's not that. any word that could hurt somebody. <laughs> let's not use it, <laughs> you know. Right, because well, when you take when you take a label like that, you dehumanize the person. Yeah. You know, if yeah. if you say, you know, let's let's use the most the 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 the, the more uh, current one when you say bad hombre. You you do de- de- you totally dehumanize a person, you know yeah. that's that's no longer yeah. your your friend. That's no longer the the guy down the street. That's that. You know what? Yeah, that, another that one that is like another one that is like super mm-hmm. funny when they call us Hispanics. I'm like, we are okay. not from Spain. We are not from Spain. I, we are not Hispanic. See, and I don't know. I use that term, and I don't know. I've been told that it's it's offensive, but I'm like, okay. And I've but other people have told me it's not. So that's that's one of the things. That's where education. That's why we have to have conversations. That's why we have to have discussions, and that's why we have to respect other people's cultures. I say Latino, Latina, Latina too, and some people might find that offensive. I I don't know. I, I don't know. Latino. And, it's probably the least offensive. I will say if you have mm-hmm. a friend who looks like us from a place in uh, Mexico or Central or South America, and you want to refer to them by their nationality, ask them, hey, can I ask you where you're from? Because I don't want to call you Latino or Hispanic. And or, that person will be delighted, delighted to tell you I'm Mexican, I'm Paraguayan, I'm Peruvian, I'm Guatemalan, you know. Goes, because going that's the along other thing. those lines, going along those lines, don't call everyone who is who who's who is a Latina Latino. Don't call them all Mexicans. No, don't, there is I, about don't thirty some do that. countries. There oh, is yeah. about thirty some countries in Central and South America, <laughs> and uh, I I have people Central asking America. me, "Where in Mexico is Puerto Rico?" I'm like, "Puerto Rico is part of the United States." <laughs> I am sorry, yeah. I shouldn't laugh at that. That is sad. That is so it, sad. <laughs> it is really sad that it's still alive and well when people think everyone, first of all, first of all, I have been told a number of times, you are not North American. 
Uh, yes, I am. Mexico, oh, either you one. like it or not, yeah. is part of North America. Uh, yes. You're not an American. Yes, I am. I've also been yes. told you're not native. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> Where do yeah. you think we come from? Thin air? We're native to this land. We are not. People yes. think Native Americans are only the Sioux and the Cherokees and the Lakota. And and no, our tribes are part of no. those tribes. The Mayan, the Mexica, yep. the Quechua, the Purepecha. Well, there's a all... lot of yeah. education that has to happen. A lot and mm-hmm. a lot of people not understanding. Uh, and, and it all comes from, I feel it comes from this sense of entitlement that a lot of people have. Like what you said about being American. They, they think, you know, if you're from Mexico, you're not American, but you are. It's of course you'll like this. I was working at a radio station one time, and I think it was uh, Montreal, possibly, who was in the World Series for the baseball. And somebody called me up one day and said, and they're in the American League. Um, could have been Toronto. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but they somebody called me up the radio station. They went, oh, I'm going to say Montreal. Montreal, right? I'm like, yeah. They're in the American League, huh? Like, what's up with that? <laughs> and I said, well, Canada is part of America, North America. So, yeah, they can be in the American League. And they went, oh. And I said, but but it's the World Series, right? Uh-huh. Why are there only two countries in the World Series? <laughs> ah. It's honestly, it's because the World Series was named after the newspaper that started it. It doesn't have anything to do with the worldwide, you know, for the entire world. But a lot of people don't know that. Um, You know, Laura, we do need to. I do need to have you come on again and talk because one of my favorite parts, the most bittersweet part of of uh, the Day of the Dead celebrations and and memorials, um, is is the, the children who have passed. And yep. we didn't get a chance to go into that. That is to me. I, I would just like to say very quickly, um, we honor the dead and those who are gone before us. And I don't care where they are from or where they their lineage is from. We do have a lot of people to honor this year, unfortunately. We have a lot of people who died in Texas, a lot of people who died in Mexico, a lot of people who died in Puerto Rico, a lot of people who died in uh, Texas and Florida and California, in Syria and Baghdad and Iran, et cetera. Like we, this year, we have a lot of people to honor. And if you want to observe Day of the Dead and you want to do it respectfully and to honor those who have passed, get yourself a sugar skull, put a candle, dedicate it to them. You know, why not? If, you, if everything that can be though done with love and res- intent, <laughs> the intent behind it, you know, right? Uh, selling beer with a image of the god of death, not so respectfully. Uh, putting a sugar skull and a candle, why not? There's a lot of energy that we need, and we need to honor life, and we need to remember those who have gone before us, and. Do it at Samhain time, do it at the day of the dead time, do it on your own time, do it every day, do it when you want to do it, but 
don't forget that Day of the Dead is about life and about that intrinsic cycle of life and death. Don't be afraid of that. It's just as natural as being alive. Very well said. That that brings me to you know we should wrap it up because I, I see Byron's waiting in the in the wings. Um, the song that I wanted to play, Linda Millard and Ginger Doss, Velvet Hammer. Uh, the song is We Do Not Die. And if you haven't heard it yet, I know you can find it on YouTube because I posted it yesterday on my Facebook wall. Uh, if you can go out and buy a copy of it and go and follow Ginger and Linda and a lot of the other pagan musicians, wait, they're amazing, amazing people. Go ahead. We have it in rotation since when? Since when they have it on the station? We've had it for a couple of years now, I think. At My least last goodness. year, I know I put it in. This is... You didn't know? I didn't know. This is the song I dedicate to my stepson, and this is the song I dedicate to all the souls that are gone and are communicating with us. I, what every day, what every... Every year when I do the um, donation for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, I add this song to my campaign page. It has a very, very, very deep significance to me and to my stepson. So thank you, Jason, for being here tonight. See? (laughs) Yes. They come. Yes. They come. You're going to make me you're gonna make me cry. Okay, if you haven't heard this song yet, it is probably the the, the perfect song for for yeah. the the topic of the night. Um, it's Velvet Hammer, Ginger Doss, Leonard Millard, and We Do Not Die. Be right back.
Wow. The song of the night, We Do Not Die, Velvet Hammer. Um, that You can get that on the Best of Pagans song. I think it might be volume two. I don't know. But I, I think I got my first copy of it on Amazon. But uh, it's Velvet Hammer is the name of the act, and it's Ginger Doss and Linda, Lin, Linda Millard. Um, you had Ginger there. The, the, welcome to the show, Byron. You had Ginger there. She came to see you, like, after spending a couple days with me a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was right after Caldera, maybe. And I was, it was just right back in town, so I didn't get to see her. And oh, I love that woman her. like crazy cakes. I love her, love her, love her. If you're listening, Ginger, I love you, love you, love you. Yeah, she's amazing. We are blessed as a community to, to have somebody like her. Exactly. She is amazing. She's silly when that's required, and she's just brilliant. Brilliant. She is. So, and uh, she gives the most awesome hugs. Happy Samhain, everyone. The most- yeah. Hugs are good. <laughs> I'm all about the hugs these days. Oh. What a long day. Well, it was funny when she was here. It was was like we wanted to hug each other and walk around everywhere and not like, not like, not hug. (laughs) It was just so much fun. Uh, And and it was, I was uh, really wanting to catch up with my Game of Thrones when she came to visit. And I thought, oh, she's going to think I'm such a geek. And she's like, Game of Thrones. (laughs) So we sat around and watched Game of Thrones and. Uh, I am the freak pagan. I have yet to see any of Game of Thrones. I know, right? It's sad. It's good. It's good. Uh, it's it's really interesting the way that he has set up uh, all these different religions within the show, and I'm really drawn to up in the the north, the the Starks. They have like this big tree, and their ancestors and the mm. trees are all connected. And I'm like, I so yeah like how the Starks do that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot. Cool. Um, I think, I don't know how many people catch the different, are catching the different, the different gods that, and goddesses that are in play behind the machinations mm-hmm. of these families. Uh, I don't know if anyone's really catching that, but that's part of what I like about it. Anyhow, welcome to the show. You no. were talking about how tired you are. I don't want to keep you for, for <laughs> terribly long time because I, I reached. Isn't everybody? I kind of isn't everybody in the pagan world tired right now? You've been oh, dealing yeah. with an, We've been dealing oh, with yeah. ancestors and and the good neighbors and the land spirits are all going to sleep. It's just madness and then ritual after ritual. Woo! It's wild. Did you guys I love get it, though. snow last? Did you get snow last weekend? Oh, no, not significant amounts of snow. And that's not unusual here. Um, in fact, we've had a lot of I snow don't... on Halloween before. But, yeah, it was a little bit of, it was just disturbing on Monday because we were traveling back from Florida, from the Florida Pagan Gathering, and had taken some time out to um, to play at the beach. And then my friend Sarah said, oh, it's snowing. And I was like, what? No. But it was good. It was cold. I like the cold. I'm not good in I, super hot weather. I'm so Scots Irish and so English and Irish and I'm with you. pale and <laughs> yeah. We we we're having I, a discussion I, about um about uh uh sweat lodges 
And I said, oh, no, I can't do a sweat lodge. What I want is a mist lodge where you go in and there's like mist rising from a central pool and it bathes me and it's cool silver beauty. And I say my prayers and I trance out mist lodge. That's what I want. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be yeah, there. Yeah, let's do it. I, I have to tell let's you. I create the I, mist lodge. I have, I kind of have done that. I have my humidifier going in my room. <laughs> I got that, that mist, mist lodge. So your bedroom is a yeah. mist lodge. Good, good. It is. <laughs> um, that's, I'm glad you brought up the coming back from Florida and, and, and hopefully he's not listening. I don't think unless I tell him to listen or say, Hey, we're going to mention you. Uh, will he listen? Uh, but the, he is, you came back with Brian Hanky. Yeah, yeah, the hinky. And he had, we had a little mishap on the road when an elderly, kind of shaggy-looking coyote not only leapt in front of the van, but leapt in front and then turned back so that he could get thoroughly hit. It was a pretty traumatic oh. poor guy. And it was, I think, frankly, harder on the hinky than it was on the coyote. But, yeah was sad but we you know both of us were safe we didn't get hurt damage to the man but he's got insurance so so shout out to brian okay. hanky and his and his Love soon to be repaired and he's, van. he's such a sensitive yeah. soul i can imagine yeah. he's yeah. he is very sensitive of what you know yes, having he is and that's why he does such beautiful music um, but that was, that was yeah. also the sweet thing Maybe about going to the beach. We, we managed two trips to the beach because we're both Pisces. And we were just like little kids. It was the beach. Yay. And people were like, <laughs> it's really cold now. And we're like, no, it doesn't matter that it's cold. It's the beach. It's the beach. So we were very <laughs> silly. I can imagine because he had to come all the way from Ohio. Right. Right. Where Not there was no beach, beach no I assume. There might be a beach at Lake Erie. I don't know. I was going to say, except anyway, for Lake yeah. Erie, but really, Lake Erie? <laughs> Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm only <laughs> now beginning to understand the Midwest because most of my touring has been East Coast stuff. And then periodically I go all the way across to Pantheacon in San Jose. And then I do field research in Britain. So the Midwest is not is not a land I know and I've been learning that a lot lately. As I, I was at Summerlin Street Festival in uh, Wisconsin this year, and I was in Nebraska for so. So I've been doing a lot more in the heartland in the Midwest, and I like it there. I like the energy there. But there are times when I go Michigan, Wisconsin. Where I know they're north and middle, but where are they? It's really, it's just sad. It's very sad. I used to be good at geography. Why they call it the flyover country? That's why they call it the flyover yeah. country. Because most people are just flying it's over. Beautiful. Going the I, I lived it's, in Nebraska. It's the breadbasket. Yeah. yeah. Nebraska is very flat and square, what I saw. It It is. And the energy there is very wholesome. It's very wholesome. Oh, yummy. Yeah. <laughs> we, my daughter and I went there for a wedding this year and that that was fun because we it was a mother-daughter trip we haven't done one of those in a while so and it was in nebraska I have to ask you about nebraska she said mom time. yeah mom will you be my plus one for a wedding and i went sure 
She said, it's in Nebraska. And I went, okay, why not? Here's Where were you thing, at? My friend, that? life is short. We were in Omaha. I love and all Omaha. I knew about Omaha. <laughs> all I knew about Omaha was Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom. That's how ignorant I am. But I liked it. Nice See, energy. And the wedding, wedding I, was beautiful, I, beautiful, I wish beautiful. I'd known you were going because I would have told you like different people to go see and and stuff. And you brought up Mutual of Omaha uh, when I lived there. They have the the Henry Dorley Zoo. Uh huh. Which is one of the the best one of the it's usually like up the very top of the list of family places to go is the the Henry Dorley Zoo they have some really exotic animals there and some really interesting Mm. habitats and I thought I'm thinking who'd have thunk in the middle of Omaha and then I thought oh mutual of Omaha right Wild wild kingdom what was that they guy's have name? An Marlon Perkins. Marlon yes. Perkins. And Jack Hanna. Jim as he wrestles the tiger to the ground. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I'll tell you. That, Good times. Good times. I'll tell you, Byron, when you go back, you're going to have to go to the Henry Dorley Zoo. And I know there's a lot of people who have issues with zoos. And, and I understand why. And I have those same issues. When you take animals out of their habitat and put them in this place that, that, you know, just to look at them, that's, I have a lot of issues with that. However, let me yeah, tell you about the zoo. They have an indoor rainforest. Ooh. You have your, like your, your mist thing. You have your mist yeah, yeah, place yeah. there. You go on all these Bring trails. on the mist. There's, there's like little monkeys that come, like marmosets that come in, and they'll take food from you that, that like wander around. And it's, wow. it's, it's really cool. You should look up the, the indoor rainforest at the Henry Dorley Zoo. It's I a, will. That amazing. sounds great. And I was in... Well, um, um, uh, St. St. Louis <laughs> several years ago too, and I liked it. I, that was amazing to me too. Anyway, yes, is, what did we want to talk about tonight? Anyway, zoos. <laughs> no, we want we have some other things to talk about. I I like all right the okay a couple things. I I I don't know where it came from. All of a sudden, I start seeing these posts. What witches look like, and and people are saying Byron um, is doing this. So tell us. Oh my gosh. I did this last year, um, and it was uh, the morning of October the 31st, and I'd cleaned the kitchen, and I'd checked social media, and and there were just these things happening that were lots of the stereotypical folkloric witch. And I thought, but right. I know my witches, and I know what witches look like, but I think there are probably a lot of people out in the world that don't, that think that... They still, there's still people who think that witches are mythological or they think that witches are not human somehow. And so I just, I made a picture of myself in my kitchen, no makeup on, a do-rag on my head, and I hashtagged it, what witches look like. And I invited everyone who considered themselves a witch to post their picture, not in ritual gear or costume or anything like that, but just doing what they do day to day and hundreds and hundreds of people did it and there was a thing on the wild hunt about it and it just 
honestly, it's so beautiful to see all this huge variety of people who consider themselves witches just going about their business. And so this year, I thought about doing it again, but that was so good. I just didn't, I didn't feel like maybe it would be as good a second time. But um, a friend of mine said, we, we did this last year and we're doing it again. So she really kicked it off and, um, and she tagged me in the post. So I went to look at it and I went, yeah, we should do this again. So as of right now, I think there are maybe 200 pictures on the initial post on Facebook, but then people jump into it and they, they post on their own pages. And some of them have, um, have tagged me in the post so that I know, but I've, I've seen several that are just what witches look like. And it makes me really happy. And we are such beautiful, good people. It, it is very important because, you know, I, anyone that knows me and, and you and I've talked about this a little bit, I'm, I'm a very political person. And yeah. one of the things that they're talking about with the politics of today is um, with, you know, if there's a, um, a schism in one of the parties and they're going to get really crappy uh, candidates like Christine O'Donnell, who people who remember Christine O'Donnell from, from Delaware, she was the witch and everyone made fun of her because she said, I am not a witch. And you know, us witches are like, no, she is not a witch, (laughs) but everyone still makes fun of her for being that witch. And that's, that's the type of stuff that that's why I posted my picture of me with the, political signs and my I voted because yeah that's that's me that's something that and I'm a witch and I am political (laughs) and I'm a grandmother Uh, and yeah yeah and you're all those things not just the one thing mm -hmm. we are complex beings and yeah so it's been it's been so and the pictures they just oh they're so beautiful there's a picture of, of a woman who is prepping food in her food truck. There's a, a picture of a woman who's hiking, a hiking witch. Um, there's, um, there's a woman who, um, who is with her grandchildren, and she's the Nana witch. And it's just amazing. And then uh, uh, another friend of mine posted a picture of himself, and he didn't want to be called a witch, so he hashtagged wizards look like. Um, and and the, I, I just want to collect them all and put them in a book so that I have these amazing that's, faces. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. The other and, thing, too, is, is these hashtag trends. You know, they pick up and they, they, they get it, you know, into the, the social media. You know, what's trending now? Yeah. It'd be interesting to know so, how this okay. is trending. So, we did it, did it a second year, and whether we do it a third year, I think it'll just depend on a lot of stuff. It's good for us when we're I think it should be Samhain a and I, Yeah. I think it should be a Samhain tradition. Yeah. Because a lot well, of places two years, are trying to make take, it a tradition. <laughs> I, think it, I think it should be. Because Samhain's one of the times that, 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 you know, a lot of places try to take that energy – away from us that that holy you know we're talking about with laura uh on the hour before talking about the day of the dead and how that's been commercialized um and then when you come to sound oh my gosh you've got all these yeah 
well, when it comes to Samhain, you've got all these places that are like, well, we don't want to celebrate Halloween because it's a pagan thing. So we're going to have a fall harvest festival. But it is a fall harvest festival. <laughs> you know, that's and that's, awesome. that's the big joke uh, that I laugh about every year. When, um, because we we're on the we're in the Bible Belt down here. There's no question, and the the public schools will kind of get their get their panic twist. And oh no no no, we're not doing Halloween because that's satanic. So instead of harvest festival, and I just want to laugh in their faces and go, okay, so you went from a perfectly decent American holiday, Halloween. It's very secular and doesn't really have anything to do with Satan or any of that. And then you switch that over to a harvest festival, which is definitely a pagan festival. So were you high? What was the deal? Well, that's all the more reason why we we witches should – we're in the public eye during Halloween or Samhain or Day of the Dead during this time of year. So this is a perfect time for us to do this every year. What witches yeah. look like to, to you know to this to this day when I like you know again going back to the politics when you have people who are casting spells to try to 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 um, to influence politics and people are posting it on the internet and they're like oh if only that was true if only that works and it's like but but we're here. <laughs> Right. It no. is true. It does work. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think we did that thing. Uh, we did that thing years ago where we worked really hard. Um, Wiccans, especially, and I am a Wiccan, worked really hard to seem like we weren't dangerous or scary. And we wanted people to yeah. treat our religion is a real, and that's in air quotes, a real religion. And so we went out of our way to to be as non-threatening as we could, which we kind of had to do after, you know, th- hundreds of years of uh, relentless persecution. Right. But now we're at a place, and I'm not saying persecution doesn't still happen because it does, but we're in a place yeah. now where – People like me, like I live in the same community that I grew up in. My family's been here for a long, long, long time. And I've always been out as a witch, always. There are people Mm -hmm. who knew me in high school that if you talk to them would say, oh, yeah, yeah, she was a witch. So I have the relative safety, and because I have that, the the responsibility, think about what that means. And to explain to people, and and I don't speak for all witches, as you know, we have to be very careful. I do not speak for all witches or Wiccans or pagans or any of that. But I think I can speak generally enough that people will get that we practice, we practice this thing. And and I've been laughing uh, in the past couple of years. There's um, a tendency among some of the youngsters the young uns to go oh witches are just so now they're so you need to rewild there's this rewilding movement and and i keep thinking buddy i know what witches you know but the witches i know don't have to be rewilded because we never got domesticated so yes (laughs) if you if you have one of those funny little buttons that the raven and crone had printed that say 
what would Byron Ballard do? And the answer, <laughs> according to them, is that I would hex you into next week, but I would also bake you a casserole. So we do all of that. And not all of us yes. do that. Not all of us bake casseroles and not all of us hex you into next week. But it's a wide range of abilities and uh, chores that we take on, given who we are. Well, and it comes from, I think that, you know, I understand it comes from, from all these years of persecution that we had to, you know, oh, we're harmless, but we're not really, I mean, we do have teeth. And I remember um, I was getting ready for a Samhain ritual, actually. I was all preparing for it, and, and I was at my, I was staying with a friend, and um was going back and forth to my room and somebody was watching me and he says he was, he knows that his girlfriend didn't like me. So he's like, are you going to curse her? And I'm like, I just looked at him and I'm like, why? She's not worth my energy. (laughs) Why would I do that? I mean, if there was a reason to do that, then perhaps I would consider it, but it's, you know, we just don't go around. there's some effort you would have to matter to me <laughs> for me to do that, to be honest. It is a, it's a, I think about, about it. Pardon? Yeah. It, you, what you're saying, basically, I'd have to care about it to do something about it. And I don't really exactly. care. Exactly. No, you're not you with are my energy. You are low radar for me. Yes, um, but I, I think that we are at a place that we need to start taking that, uh, I don't want to say power, but start thinking that way again, because I know um, I used to help, I used to do a lot of teaching of kids, and I say kids, they're not children, they're young adults who have joined the military, a lot of them's had a difficult time with the and harm none because they, you know, that's their job to go out and, and harm things if they had to. And we would have a lot of philosophical discussions about that, that there's more than one path. There's more than one, yes. one. There's a place for that. There's a place for being the warrior, being the protector. There's a place for, yeah. you know, for being the person who would hack somebody. There is a place yeah. for it. Well, and I call it Bane work. That's what I've mm-hmm. called it for years now. And I teach classes. I teach a class called Willful Bane, the Joy of Hex. <laughs> and I treat <laughs> I treat that work as an extreme healing modality. And that's how I teach it. I have levels of Bane. So that you start with something very basic and hands-off and you get all the way up to to really de- deeply engaging energetically. But I, I am, I'm old school. I'm old and old school. And I, I tend to think that if you can't hex, you can't heal. That it's the deep manipulation of energy that gives us the ability to do both things. But there are a lot of people right now, and, you know, folk magic is hot. Everybody wants to be practicing folk magic because it's simple, pretty simple, pretty effective. Mm-hmm. But 
but there are also people that are saying, oh, now I'm, I'm going to get into hexing. And frankly, there, there are people who shouldn't do that because they don't, yeah. they don't either have the training or they don't have the temperament to do it. And I'm really clear with people, you only do this work if you're called to it because everybody's not required to do it. And if you feel uncomfortable doing it, you shouldn't do it. We are blessed well, I mean, in our religious systems that we get to mostly choose our own ethical stance on things. And we have to do that for ourselves. Well, and energetically, there's there's a lot of things that you have to, to you know, you talked about at, at being part of the healing. There's that polarity that I don't think is, I don't see that emphasized a lot with people when, when you teach, I think that we, we, that a lot of people like to gloss on the, the positive side, the, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a rabbit person, so I don't mind saying fluffy bunny and because I'm a, I'm a rabbit <laughs> person. Yeah. But, well, and you know, a fluffy bunny is a good thing. Right. But people don't realize that being a rabbit and, and a fluffy bunny are not the same thing. And rabbits, we have our ways too. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not, yeah, rabbits have our own ways. Um, but you have to understand what you're doing energetically. I've had I've had people that were, you know, in my community that came to me, you know, after they've screwed up with some, uh-huh. some Bane work. And uh-huh. they're like, oh, what are we doing now? And I'm like, you know what? It's it's just like the, the sisters in uh, in Practical Magic. You did this. You clean it up. Yep. Clean you know, up your mess. Clean up your own mess. If that's if you're gonna mess with this stuff, you gotta know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you're and doing, we, don't And we've up. all done some trial and error. We've all done that. That's the way to be honest, that's how most magic, how we figure it out. We do it exactly. badly or ineptly and then we try it again. It's like doing a recipe until we really perfect it. And my big complaint about so many witches right now is that they don't actually practice magic. They don't practice it. And they use it as the last resort for whatever their issue is. I mean, if we're magic workers, we should be practicing magic so that we're good at it. I agree. One of, one of my big things. One of my big things is when they, when, you know, and, and this might be different than, than your experience, and this might not be a, a, something that bothers you, but it's when people keep coming and saying, is there a spell for this? Is there a spell for that? And uh, it's, yeah. it's like, well, why don't, why don't you look in, into that? Why don't you try to work it out? Why don't, and if I say something like, well, if you carry this rock, it will help. And they're like, no, I don't want you to, to you know, to tell me what rock to use. Well, that's part of it. That's part yeah. of it. Well, yeah, and I run into people who want me to fix it. Yeah, they, they want us to fix it for them. I'm not your fixer. Yes. Is there a spell to do? It, it's not like taking, it's not like going to the doctor and getting some antibiotics. <laughs> right. Know, that's what herbalists are for. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not that much of an herbalist person, though. Uh, I'm I'm a rock person, so if you come to me, I'm going to tell you pick up this rock, or, or you know, yeah. I might tell you to to yeah, to do something. But I think people think that that it's it's uh, when you talk about about 
practicing magic, they seem to think that you have to, and it's back, it goes back to, this ties back into what witches look like. What does magic yeah. look like to you? Yeah. Does magic mean, you know, when you, I am, I am a salt. Oh my God. Salt. <laughs> salt every right. I'm not a, <laughs> salt, salt, salt. I'm not a, I'm not a, yeah, I am a salt, salt man. I carry salt around. I have chunks of, I have Himalayan rock salt by my bed. I, I, uh, in my in my humidifier right now, I have to make sure I put some salt in it. Um, that's yeah. me. Is, is that's magic to me. And when I when I do the salt thing, it's magic. Even if I'm at, yeah. at the restaurant, and I throw it over my shoulder. That's magic. So <laughs> magic and superstition. But yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I yeah, to- I hear you, and and we we practice oh, we all practice some somewhat differently, which is why it's so much fun to come together with adept practitioners and compare notes. Mm-hmm. So this situation happened. How did you deal with it? Well, how did you deal with it? And and I love that. And and to be honest, Facebook is pretty good about that. I mean, until it all explodes as it usually does, but. It's been fun to kind of peer into minds that don't know well, but I know they're good at what they do. It's been fun. Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry. I, it went dead here on my side for a second. Oh. <laughs> Are you still? <laughs> well, and and see. I'll go throw that out there. I don't think Mercury's in retrograde, but like one of the things I love to talk about is Mercury in retrograde. And every, anytime you say Mercury in retrograde, you might as well tell people find a hole, hide in it for six weeks, but that's Mm. not Mercury in retrograde. That's Mercury in retrograde. There's so much positive things that you can do with Mercury in retrograde, but people don't understand. Well, people tend to have a very limited understanding of everything. They want to. Right. They, they want to talk over and want to get very wide. Every time, and I don't know if I've lost you again because I'm getting some weird connection issues again. Oh. Oh. Okay, here we go. Every time I start having friends that I haven't spoken to for a long time to start popping back up, I start one. Is Mercury retrograde? <laughs> Yeah, that's one yeah. of the things. It's like, hey, a present from Mercury and retrograde. Forgot about this. So yeah, um, well, and and I like to use Mercury retrograde because it's good for completing projects that are half done or something yeah. you started and you haven't really dumped it, jumped into. Because I I start thing. I'm a really good starter. And I have a lot of really Me good too. ideas, and I'll jump into something with a lot of enthusiasm. And and sometimes it's hard for me to finish it up. So I appreciate that part of Mercury retrograde a lot. And I'm I'm talking about this. I might as well just look and see if there if it's going to be in retrograde anytime soon because it's like feeling like it. Oh, not until December. Not until December. Yeah, I I write it in my calendar every year. And frankly, when people are like, "Oh no, is it Mercury retrograde again?" and I just think, well, if it has such a profound effect. Why don't you look that up every year and put that in the calendar somewhere on your refrigerator so you can go, yikes, Mercury retrograde again, yikes. 
and be all but panicky. But why do that's people, the thing is why do people freak out about it? Because they like to have something to freak out about. Because our community, <laughs> like every other community of humans, is filled with drama queens. Filled oh, yeah. to the brim with drama queens. <laughs> well, going back and to I, the, we, I, we as a matter of fact, I, as a matter of fact, have a master's in fine arts in drama. So I tell people, no, no, let that go. Bring it to me. I am a drama professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh Byron Byron I always it's like you know I I I moved here to North Carolina two years ago and I was like I can't wait to meet Byron someday I will move I will meet Byron but there's so many things that you say that resonate with me um I think the first Thank time you. that I ever was um you were a guest on Selena's show one time and I think I might have either been co-hosting with her or I was running the board. I'm like, this is a person who, who I understand. Cause, cause like you, when you were talking about um, growing up, I always considered myself a witch. I've always considered myself a witch from, I yeah. remember being like seven years old and having my front teeth out and, and the, the kids would, or the, like somebody's parent would ask me, you know, about being a witch. But of course I would say a wiss. <laughs> what are you? Oh, I'm a witch. <laughs> a witch. A witch. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Very determined that I was a witch, and um, and it it got to a point where where I was like kind of like, well, maybe what you know, trying to figure out who I was, and people always came to me about you know cards and astrology and 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 stones and I said well it wasn't like I was putting myself out there for it mm-hmm. it's like what you were yeah. saying you were just coming to me and like well maybe this is who I am this is what I am mm-hmm. so maybe this is a thing yeah this is a thing um but the I I like what you posted today on the 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 Bain work um because it is something that that I think that our our community really needs to 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 embrace, and also it's we're we're I think we're going through another another growing spurt, not a growing spurt, but going through a patch uh, our community at large right now and one of the things I was bringing I was talking to to Laura about on the first part of the show is and you brought up the folk magic thing is there is a a group of people who are following more of a Norse path who are starting to infiltrate if you will uh, paganism because they they seem to be like this white supremacist nationalist type vein in their paths. And for some reason they feel, feel that that fits along with, with Norse things and folk. Hmm. And I've, oh, I've like heard folk-ish. people say, yeah. yes. And it's, I'm, that really upsets me because everything, when you talked about superstition, superstition and magic is their cousins. Oh there's, yeah. There's, a lot of things I've learned about magic were from books of superstition. 
Yes. Because they, they tell you, and, you know, salt is one of them. That's part of why I'm like mm-hmm. such a, a salt person. Um, well, and I tell people, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I tell people that when they, they want to know, well, by, if they have a family history of witchcraft, that it may be important for them not to ever use the word witch or the word witchcraft, but to ask their grandparents or their uncles and aunts, so what were the weird things the family did? What were the superstitions the family had? And find out what was encoded in that because that was safe. So everybody's right. quirky. Everybody's got the quirky grandma who throws the salt over her shoulder or collects pieces of broken glass and puts them in a mason jar in the window. They all have that. But as soon as you start to label it witch or witchcraft, that turns a lot. That turns some people off and scares them. Right. Because of the, and that's part of why we have to say have that have that campaign of this is what a witch looks like. Because this yeah. is what, again, going back to this is what magic looks like. This is what, uh, this is what, what witchcraft looks like. It, it's not something out of, you know, bed knobs and broomsticks, even though that comes from a, a real story of witches and, and yeah. trying to, to uh, protect England, which, you know, if you said you yeah. were doing some uh, studies of British witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So you and I really yeah, need to sit down was a thing. I know that we was do. We need to do that. Once I come off the road, I'm going uh, tomorrow morning. Actually, leaving for Maryland, where I'm headlining for a fairy con, which is always a lot of fun. Um, and then is I'm Suge off the road there? for a couple months. Hmm. Suge is going to be is there. Who's going to be she's there? Usually there. Suge? Suge? Sj? No. Yeah. No, no, no. She's not going to be there. Uh. Uh-uh. She doesn't go to that. Uh, uh, they bring they bring in bands like uh, Wardruna and Fawn. They're mostly like European bands, and then they then several of us teach classes. It's fun, and then they do a good fairy ball on Friday night and a bad fairy ball on Saturday night, and that's fun too. But I'll be off the road for a little while. Maybe you and I can get together because you have the Sealy Court and the Unsealy Court, and they both have oh, yeah. a place to. That's that polarity, oh. that duality, I don't think is being taught as much as it should be. Because, you know, you talked about the, the healing of Bane work, and I would love to, to pick your brain about that some more, because there is some mm-hmm. healing in that. Yeah, you know, oh, there is healing. Um, well, if there I, is enlightenment, I, there must also be endarkenment. Exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. I'm try- <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to figure out how to wrap this up because I know that you, that you have had a very long day, and I really appreciate you coming. You had just finished ritual earlier tonight, and yes, and, and I have a I little glass of red you. wine and some cheese. <gasps> Great. Yeah, we just did. We just did a trance evening. We did trance postures. It was done by Catalina Shepard, who is a local trance posture person. And then I led the trance dance, and we invoked and evoked the Baba Yaga. We had a great time. Mm. Powerful stuff. You, I, she is one powerful I, I feel. I feel like I'm, I'm in the Piedmont Triad, and I feel like I'm in a desert here because I haven't really connected with a lot of people who I connect mm. with. 
figure. So yeah, but I'm a I'm agoraphobic. <laughs> yeah, right. Go you ahead. and I had talked about that because my mother is too. So you weren't at Pagan uh, Piedmont Pagan Pride. I assume I would have seen no. you if you were because I was there. I would have I would have come come up to talk to you and I know I know Suj was there. I was really looking forward to you know Suj and I have talked yeah. a lot, but I haven't had a. I, I've have helped her get gigs and and such. Uh, in in uh, Oklahoma, and I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Danny and the family out here to play some some out this far because I know that they'll that Tuatha will, will be by you guys. Yeah, so. I love them, my my babies. They're my babies. You know, they call me Mama Tufa. I just Mama think that's Tufa. so sweet. And they're yeah, they're videotaping something this weekend, some big deal having to do with the, that Bristol thing. I love those folks, so I hope you do get them down there. They come here periodically. We love we love that. We welcome them. And then we go see them up yeah, in Gatlinburg I, sometimes. Um, I I was helping them get in, over to uh, to Texas when when I was still in Texas, so I got them oh. a, a nice home in Texas to to nice. almost always have a have a gig. So yeah. and and that's where they got their new drummer from. Actually, they they swept him away oh. from my my old town that I used to live in. Cody. <laughs> wow. Um, but um, uh, along those lines, I guess what I'm supposed to talk about is musicians because we started talking about that. We we brought that up before. Yes. We talked about ginger. Right, right, right. And uh, yep, that's one area that that I see. You know, I know you're you're well. Let's do this. You've written books and you've put one out recently. Uh, I would love to see if I can get. I, I'm doing the vagina monologues here in uh, in my area right. of North Carolina. And we've got some some big vagina warriors, not big vaginas, but <laughs> I, I tell you what, um, send me message message me your um, mailing address, and I'll mail you a copy of. It's called Embracing Willendorf, a witch's way of loving your body to health and fitness. It is not pagan Weight Watchers. It is all about being the kind of juicy, wonderful pagan who honors the bit that we all remember from the charge of the goddess, which is all acts of love and pleasure are her rituals. So yeah, I'll send you one and send me your address. I will do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's your, your, uh, that's the show that was before this one was all acts of love and pleasure. That's kind of funny. Mm. Every other Wednesday night. Uh, and Jason, you were, you've been on Jason's show. He does alternating Wednesdays. I love me some Jason Mankey. I lo- but don't tell him. If you're listening, Jason, that was an aberration. <laughs> you just you were having some kind of weird. No, I, I love him. I love him so much. He is, he is sane. I mean, as sane as any of us are. He's got a good heart, and he's smart as a whip. Um, he yeah. and I, I got to spend some time together at uh, Florida Pagan Pride's Belting and then again at Mystic South. And I just, I have so much respect for him. Um, he's, a good, he's one of he the good dudes. Yeah. He is. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad that he's part of the, the team here uh, with, with Raise the Horns Radio, which will be on 
next Wednesday he will be back. We'll either do right now what we're talking about doing is one show a month is going to be a rerun because he's got such basically when you listen to Pagans tonight and you listen to uh, to his show and Selena's got a show you you're getting free seminars. Uh, oh yeah. By, you know some of the and, and you know Jason puts out. He goes to to like Mystic South and gives these talks, and and you can find mm-hmm. a lot of the things that he he gives on these uh, in these classes in our archives. Yeah. I'm kind of you know I'm you know what I'm doing is I'm kind of speaking to everybody right now when I talk about this. So I'm saying this right now is Byron. You brought up your your <laughs> most recent book. Um, how do people find out more about your books and more about your classes and where you're going to be? And all things oh, viral. Okay. Well, they can go to my website, which uh, I don't spend nearly enough time at. So, but that's um, myvillagewitch.com. You can find me on social media primarily on Facebook, and I'm Byron Ballard. I'm also Village Witch A Wanderin. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm occasionally on Instagram. Selena Fox uh, nags me about doing more pictures on Instagram, but eh, I can't get to it. I'm an organic gardener too. I, you know, I got stuff to do. So they can find me in those places. They can email me at info at myvillagewitch.com and they can catch me at all kinds of festivals. I'm already booking next year and I'm going to be in a lot of different places doing a lot of really fun stuff. I've got some brand new classes that I'm premiering this weekend and one of them is about accessing the other realms in under the concrete of suburbia. So it's about it's about urban contact. It's about being in an urban area and contacting the other the good folk, the good neighbors. So yeah, some fun stuff coming up. And a new book, uh, called Earthworks, Eight Ceremonies for a Changing Planet, which is about the tower time that I've been talking about now for about a decade. So all of that. And more, more, more. I need and to see I'm if I can get you project. back on. Go ahead. Yeah, let's do that. And I'm working on a project with Brian Hankey and the Night Travelers, Nikki Portman oh. and James McKinney. Um, they, they're doing a concept album, and I'm writing the book that goes with the album. So, yes. Oh, my Stop. gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I'm going to have to, to get to get to get a hold of Brian to see if I can get get you guys on for that well oh yeah Byron, oh, we could do that together it'd be fun thank you thank you thank you so much for doing this short short notice i really uh, appreciate it, it. And especially, have a have a really blessed year wait yeah, thank thanks again and and thank you. uh i'm i mean i'm i'm getting i've I reach out to you and I and I talk about coming back and and calling you and talking to you and I almost always drop the ball on that. So I'm going to go ahead and try to make that something I I do this year. Um, let's go okay. ahead and wrap wrap things up with we talked about Brian Hankey, um, guitarist extraordinaire, amazing talent mm-hmm. and uh, amazing. He and I have some interesting conversations. <laughs> When he comes on the show, so I'm going to start <laughs> off. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end things uh, with Raven King. It's the title cut of Perfect. his uh, last CD, Raven King with Writing. Okay.
I think it happened.
You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 